Welcome to Space Nerds, your source for intergalactic science fiction and science fact. Engines primed, engage! Hey, hey, this is Alexandria. I'm Jane Smith. And I'm Douglas Gale. And I will be bringing you Space News, Star Trek, Duck Space Nine, Firefly, Black Mirror, and probably superhero stuff. Dystopian fiction! Who's excited? I'm Jesse Mercury, and I'll be your constant cosmic companion, bringing you the weekly space news and sitting down with these amazing friends to talk about science fiction. We are Space Nerds! What's up, Space Nerds? Welcome to the show. We have a big one for you today. Doug and I will be talking about two episodes from Season 1 of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, The Negus and Vortex. Plus, Andy will be joining us for some space news. We're talking about the conscious universe which is super interesting. I'm really excited to talk to her about that. And I'm also going to ask her her thoughts on Lost in Space Season 2, because I am curious. She and I watched it together. So let's get this thing going. I'm going to go ahead and beam in Andy. She's upstairs, but, you know, we're in quarantine right now. We're, we're getting lazy, so I'm just going to beam her down here. Here we go. Don't go chasing water. <gasps> oh, I was just singing in the shower. Oh. <laughs> Jesse, oh, I'm soaking wet. Damn it. This is the second time my couch got soaked when I beamed someone oh. in at the wrong time. I told you I was going to beam you in. You I was did like, not. Andy, do you want to do space news? And you're like, not if I have to walk downstairs. Yeah. I guess I didn't tell you I was going to beam you in. You're such a jerk. <laughs> Dang now, but hold on. I'm going to grab a towel. We've gotten so lazy in quarantine. It's like, let's just beam from floor to floor. <sighs> yeah, I've stopped using my legs altogether. <laughs> Uh, well now that i'm here i guess i might as well do space news great let's do it okay space news all right andy are you ready for the space news yes i am this is a really interesting one from futurism.com i found this a couple months ago and i've been holding on to it um okay for right now (laughs) i'm so glad uh electrons and quarks may experience consciousness Right? <laughs> Andy's thinking, what are electrons and quarks? Right? I know what electrons are. Okay. I What are quarks? Well, let's get into this article. Okay. Because they're like uh, tiny building blocks of matter, basically. Okay. Like pe- pieces of the building blocks of matter. But let's, let's get in. I yeah. think this is going to give you a better explanation. Okay. Um, the only reason humans know about the existence of consciousness, the phenomenon of having subjective feelings and experiences is because we have feelings and experiences. Sure. But despite centuries of study, scientists have yet to make any major progress in understanding consciousness. Yeah. A recent, a recently published book by philosopher Philip Goff, however, takes a deep dive into a millennia-old theory that could help explain consciousness by attributing it to all forms of matter, all the way down to electrons and quarks. Hmm. The theory is called panpsychism, and Scientific American recently published a provocative interview with Goff to explore his book's claims. The basic commitment is that the uh, I'm reading this right. The basic commitment <laughs> is that the fundamental constituents of reality, perhaps electrons and quarks, have incredibly simple forms of experience. Goff told the magazine. Okay. According to Goff, panpsychism 
defines consciousness not as an ability to reflect on one's own existence, but more simply as the ability to experience the world in some way, to feel pain or pleasure, to see sights or hear sounds. While it's obvious that at least some animals are conscious by this definition, Mm -hmm. we know that dogs can see and that cats derive pleasure from knocking our stuff off tables. The general consensus seems to be that as life forms get more and more simple, they become less and less conscious until, at some point, they just aren't anymore. But it's at least coherent to suppose that the continuum of consciousness fading while never quite turning off carries on into inorganic matter, Goff called Scientific American, with fundamental particles having almost unimaginably simple forms of experience to reflect their incredibly simple nature. Uh That's what panpsychists believe. The belief that consciousness is somehow something our brains do means that it's also something that neuroscientists should be able to figure out. But again, they're nowhere close to making that a reality. If we define consciousness as an unobservable quality possessed by all forms of matter, though, as panpsychists suggest, we could emerge with a unified theory of consciousness built on not just science, but a combination of science and philosophy. What mm-hmm. this offers us is a beautifully simple, elegant way of, of integrating consciousness into our scientific worldview, Goff, called, Goff told Scientific American, of marrying what we know about ourselves from the inside and what science tells us about matter from the outside. Well, this is all making me think about a, a radio interview I heard with... Um, Michael Pollan, who wrote... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Omnivore's Dilemma. Omnivore's Dilemma, but he also wrote uh, more recently... um, What was it called? It's the one about um, mushrooms. Yeah, yeah. Getting... Oh, I'm I'm blanking on the name of that. I listened to him interview about that also. I I think maybe the same one. It could be. I think you told me about this years ago. Yeah. It was really interesting. It's really interesting. Maybe a year and a half or two years ago. Um, Yeah. Yeah, and... um, Anyway, I I can't I'm I'm kind of failing to remember the name of the book, but um it, it, it's about basically how um psilocybin is yeah. being used um to help treat uh addicts and uh people with uh, traumatic experiences and all kinds of things, but the reason that this article made me think of that is for it's twofold. So the first thing is he was talking about, you know, in order to do research for this book, he actually did experience had a few experiences with these types of drugs. Yeah. Psilocybin being the psychoactive component yes. of mushrooms. Of mushrooms. Right. Yes. Okay, cool. And it's also I think it can be formulated in other ways. But yeah. anyway, he was saying that when he was um when he was on one of his trips, he uh really had this distinct feeling and this isn't uncommon either. This is not an uncommon um experience a feeling that the plants around him had life. Obviously plants are alive, but like he could sense their um, consciousness, like the consciousness of plants. And um, like, he could almost feel intention from them. Mm. Um, And it was like really beautiful. And like, he looked around and he could see that like everything, the aliveness and everything. Um, And it makes me, think about that because psilocybin and i'm sorry if i'm totally misremembering this but i i think what he was saying is it affects the part of partially it affects the part of the brain that kind of um makes associations so it's like well we put plants in this category as not having our type of of consciousness or you know and so 
And it also with your personality. But then he was also talking about the idea of consciousness in, and I can't remember what which religion. I'm doing a really good job of recalling. <laughs> but there was a religion which um, considered consciousness as like an element of the universe, like gravity. And oh, that, wow, that's cool. And that things that are made of matter are actually able, they're just, they become a conduit or like a, a, a way of receiving that consciousness. Um, and so... You know, so it's like you you plug something into an outlet. So it's yeah. like, you know, the consciousness is the electricity, but it doesn't have anywhere to funnel through until it has matter. And so oh, it's fascinating. It's yeah, it's really interesting. And so um and so that when, you know, that that consciousness just exists outside of the body, outside of the mind. Um, which is not what this is saying, but it it's an interesting similarly, um, different approach to looking at consciousness and I kind of like it. I mean, I, I think that um, the idea of something being alive and something being conscious is those, those are two different um, things, but I feel like this is suggesting to be looking at it actually as more of a spectrum, right? You know, and that, and that all, all conscious, all alive things have some level of consciousness, even if it's just, absolutely almost indiscernible right Which, yeah i don't know i could see being true I, I i do i love the exploration of consciousness me too i'm and fascinated i'm really by it. interested in it in doing it from a scientific point of view i i also really like the philosophic points of view and and i feel like combining them is really interesting too yeah, I did look up quarks just to get us a better definition. Oh, thank you, yeah. Um, any of a number of subatomic particles carrying a fractional electric charge postulated as building blocks of the hadrons. Quarks have not been directly observed, but theoretical predictions based on their existence have been confirmed experimentally. So, quarks are like a basically a theoretical building block <laughs> of the universe. But let's look up hadrons now, because I don't even know what hadrons are. Quarks I'm familiar with. A little bit. Hmm. Um, a hadron, a subatomic particle of a type including the baryons and mesons, which can take part in the strong interaction. This is not helpful. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so we're taking, we're looking at like subatomic yeah. particles. Yeah. Um, the building blocks of matter, essentially, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. Smaller than atoms. Smaller than atoms, yeah. yeah. But th so, yeah, basically. I mean, this is just so, let's like think about this for a second, because yeah. if our atoms in our body are conscious in some way, uh -huh. on a very limited way, not that they have self-awareness, but that they have experience. So let's just say like a tree can sense that wind is blowing through its leaves. Sure. Maybe a tree experiences that in some way. Maybe not that there's a brain, like a centralized brain thinking, oh, there's <clears throat> wind in my leaves, but just like the tree is responding to the wind in its leaves in some way. Yeah. Or just aware of it in some way. Yeah. Um, I mean, it does It does make some sense. Like, when you think about lying next to a tree in the park, you can kind of feel, sometimes, like, you can feel the energy of this tree in some Absolutely. way. If you're, like, a hippy-dippy weirdo like me, which well, you are, I know, because we're dating me. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Well, and it's almost, it also makes me think about the rice test where they put they put different 
what is it? They put a little bit of water with dry rice in a container and they put these containers in different rooms. And there's lots of, you can look up, there, there's lots of people that have done this test or variations on this test yeah. using different materials. But anyway, and then each day you go in and in one room you say, like, you're beautiful, I love you. You give, like, positive verbal affirmation to this rice. Oh, yeah. I know this sounds totally I, weird. I don't know where this, but, I've never heard of this. Okay, and then in the other room, you go in and you say to the rice, like, you're terrible, you're ugly, I hate you. And then the other room, you just ignore. And um, after however many days, like, a certain number of days, you see that the rice that has been given positive affirmation has absorbed the water, but isn't molding or anything. And then... Um, the one that's been given negative affirmation has uh, absorbed the water and started to like turn black. And then the one that's been ignored is actually in the worst state. And um, the idea that maybe like energy or intention um, and what you, and how you deliver that is actually maybe a form of consciousness, like Mm. that you're communicating through consciousness and, I don't know, like the even the rice that is made up of these, you know, neurons and whatever quarks, quarks, hadrons, hadrons. Thank you. Um, is like because you know I I think the power of thought and all that is you know again sort of more in the hippy dippy world and the more yeah. manifestation and all these things. But then there are some scientific experiments that try to extrapolate why that's true or if it is true. Yeah, and. I don't know. I feel like this could tie in in some way, or 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 the the whole um, topic of um, generational trauma and how, like, if your grandparents were went through the Holocaust, for example, or or if your great grandma was like terribly abused, that somehow your DNA carries that trauma. Like you hmm. still, and you need to heal. Like there, there's a whole movement about that and about how we inherit trauma literally from a from a I just yeah from your, the, your body yeah which is which is i don't know i'm not i'm not bringing these things up saying and i really believe these things i these are all just like it's interesting when i hear things like that my science brain is curious is like could that be possible like what what yeah. are the scientific ways in which that actually could be possible um and I, I wonder if this ties in, this could tie in somehow. Like, the, yeah. you know, you're the, that the thing that your body is made up of, you know, I don't know, that it, that it has experiences and memories. Yeah, no, totally. Or not memories. Well, well because but, like, in some ways, we are made up, like, you know, the classic line, we are made of star stuff, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like the building blocks of our bodies, like the matter that our bodies has been made of. Right you know, has been around longer than we have. Right. Um, and, like, this is stuff that I don't really understand fully, but I've heard Neil deGrasse Tyson talk about, and it's very compelling. Mm. Um, but, yeah, but thinking about your body as something that maybe has a literal will of its own, without, sure. like, uh, distinct from your mind. Yeah. And that, and, like, this is a different idea of consciousness than what I normally think of as consciousness. Because, mm. like, what what I think of as con- consciousness is really comes from Star Trek Next Generation season two Measure of a Man. <laughs> they're asked to define it, and they call they they say what makes something conscious because they're yeah. trying to decide if data is conscious or not. Right. And uh, the three things they mention are let's see if I can remember um, self awareness. Mm. What were the other two? <laughs> <laughs> Intelligence. Uh huh. And emotion. 
no. Hold on. Pause. I'm going to look it up. Okay, so we're back. I remember this slightly wrong. They're talking about sentience mm-hmm. on, on the episode, and the three qualifications for sentience are self-awareness, intelligence, and consciousness. Mm-hmm. So the the real debate comes down to whether or not Data is conscious, whether or not he has consciousness. And that's something that, like, is not very well defined, what, right. what it means to be conscious. Yeah. It's a word that we use a lot, and... It's something that, you know, when you say, like, oh, he's a conscious being, like, or well, I experience consciousness, we all kind of know what that means. But when you're asked to define it, it's really difficult. Like, what does that mean? Yeah, I mean, I think this is something that is explored in a lot of realms. I, I would say most pervasively um, in either scientific realms or philosophical slash religious realms. Yeah. And, I mean, I studied in college, I... I was part of a group that um, specifically studied like Zen Buddhism, yeah, and um, and practiced Zen meditation. And the idea of consciousness, um, in some ways, actually, in Buddhism, it, it kind of aligns with what they're talking about—that there are that it is a spectrum consciousness, and mm. that enlightenment is actually. I mean, you could think of it this way. I'm not. I'm not quoting, you know, Buddhist scripture, but like, but I think that you could think of it as this: um, that enlightenment is sort of, sort of the ultimate type of consciousness you can achieve. Sure. Um, like and, nirvana. Yeah, and it and it goes beyond the, the There's this thing, no, the no self, and that, um, you know, part of consciousness, in the way we experience it, is very individualized. Like my consciousness as me, right? Like right. Andy, I have my own consciousness um, that is attached to me and my brain and my body. Um, and I and I think in Buddhism, the idea is to get get rid of the idea that consciousness is just you. I mean, there's a lot of ideas in Buddhism, but yeah. one of them is is the no self and the idea that you can expand your consciousness beyond your personal scope, and that we actually all share this. You, there is this higher consciousness that you can achieve, and um, and it expands far beyond the way we experience consciousness in our daily lives yeah. in order to function, right? Yeah. Um, and so we've built a society, and also there, we just live in a world in which you know individualized consciousness is really kind of essential to <laughs> yeah. to uh, functioning. But um, but yeah, but so I I don't know. It's really interesting, and I think consciousness. It's really hard to examine it from a purely philosophical or a purely scientific right. lens. I just, right. I think it encompasses both. That's exactly what this article was just saying, too. Yeah. I yeah. actually just looked up consciousness, and this is what popped up. Okay. Consciousness at its simplest is sentience or awareness of internal or external existence, which is interesting because they, they define consciousness with the word sentience. Um, and sentience right. was defined with the word consciousness, consciousness. in Star Trek. But basically, <laughs> yeah. consciousness means that um, experience you experience existence in yeah. some way yeah and we experience existence pretty clearly like you know you you're hot or you're cold or you're sad or you're happy like we experience yeah the day around us sure and we don't question that because that's the only thing we've ever experienced right and I think that a lot of human beings don't 
think about the experiences of others or the yeah. consciousness of others yeah. as being as valid as their own or as real as their own because we can't experience yeah. someone else's experiences or some or in some ha- in some way part of our own like right, the idea right. that your consciousness is actually this is made up right. of the same thing as my consciousness you know right. and, and you know yeah. if you and I have talked at length about this trilogy of sci-fi movies that I've been working on for yeah. a long, long time in yeah. my head. Yeah, yeah. And I've tried to write a couple times and don't quite have the, the tools. Sure. Let me keep trying. But it really revolves around um, consciousness and like yeah. the nature of consciousness. Yeah. And there's this theory out there that consciousness is external, that it is not something that is generated in your body. It's right. something that you tap into. Right. That is external. And I love that theory because it makes me think of religion and God and mm-hmm. this idea that People think of God as this external consciousness that created all of us. Right. But I I think of God more as like an external consciousness that is generated by all of us existing. Like all all of our existences together, um, like maybe there is a consciousness that is common to everything that is conscious. Sure. And maybe that is what people are talking about when they think of God or like, yeah. you know, a religious experience. I've had people re- describe religious experiences to me of being in church and having a religious experience. Yeah. But what if that is like communal consciousness? What if everyone yeah. in that room is focused on the same thing and you're all feeling this thing that is greater than you because it is because yeah. it's everyone in that room. Yeah. And what if that in a way is God? Sure. Or if you like think of it as the force in Star Wars. Yes, yeah, um, sure. That the force is in some ways an external consciousness that when you tap into it can show you the the way or the path or yeah. the Tao. Sure. Um or the Tao itself is kind of like a external consciousness. Uh-huh. So all, all sorts of religions, including yeah. the Force, which is my favorite religion, um, <laughs> or Taoism, which is da- my favorite earthly religion, <laughs> although I'm not a religious person, a lot of religions talk about consciousness as being external. Yeah. And that's why I like this article so much, because um, the idea that everything is conscious, yeah. is, it kind of flips this whole idea on its head, Yeah. that like the entire universe is conscious. And then what yeah. if we as living beings in this universe are right. part of a, a neural network of yeah, consciousness absolutely. of the universe. Like what if the universe itself yeah. has consciousness and we are part of that program in some yeah. way? I, I, How fascinating I, is that? I think it's really fascinating. And I feel like um, you can look at it from any perspective. And I think what's tough it, so often in our society, it feels like science and religion are at odds with each other. Yeah. Um, but I just find the most fascinating minds and the most empathetic people are the people that allow room for both. And um, not that I would judge anyone that isn't religious or not that I would, well, I think I would judge someone a little bit more if they didn't believe in science. Um, but um, but I just, I think that there's so much to be found in the space in between those realms. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think... It, it just just from my point of view, like what you were talking about, like you know when you're you're thinking about somebody and then they call you, yeah, you know i I think that that's um it is both there there I think there may be science behind that, actually, yeah. you know, yeah, and I also think it is a deeply spiritual thing that happens, and I think it can be both, and I think the spirit can be scientific, you know, and maybe and, someday, yeah, yeah, and I think there is science behind spirituality and and I also think it's okay and there should be space for things that um 
maybe we don't know how to explain, or maybe we right. can't quantify, or we can't um, examine in that way. And I think that's okay too. And I, I like the idea that that all kinds of minds can explore this idea. And I wouldn't want to alienate anybody on their opinions on right. this. And like, I don't know. It's just, it's such, I love these types of topics. Me too. Um, and I, I mean, I could talk on forever, but it's it's a really I I love that this was the space news. I picked this for you. Yeah, I'm so glad. Yeah. I, I I knew you'd like this one. I really like this one. Yeah. Yeah, I think that what you're saying is super super true, and I would I'm going to say it a different way that I think is very similar to what you're saying, which yeah. is that oftentimes religion attempts to fill in the gaps that science cannot, yeah, or has not yet, mm-hmm. and I think that's where a lot of the friction between the two comes from, is that science is always trying to find ways to explain the things that religion wants you to take on faith, Sure. and as that progresses throughout the course of human evolution and human history, mm. it get like, there are some real rough moments where science is like, no, like, we can explain this thing now, like, the earth is this old, and religion's like, no, 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 it's this old, <laughs> we know that, we've always said that, and like, yeah. science is like, well, we've learned how to observe the universe better than we did in the past and we can now say that we're changing our belief about how old the universe is because we have new evidence yes and yeah and i wish that there wasn't a friction there where i wish that religion wouldn't say oh well no this one book that says this thing has to be right yes Um, i i wish that there was like science is fluid that's what i love about science is that science can't explain consciousness right now it and science knows that. And yeah. it's saying, like, we can't explain this yeah, right now. Totally. But here's a new theory. Yeah. Like, everything we've talked about today is theory. We have no facts about consciousness. Mm-hmm. No one who tells you that they know anything about consciousness for, for a fact is right. Because we do not know. Right, yeah. And I love that. I, I think, think that's fascinating. Great. And the premise of, of a scientific theory, right, is based on the idea that you have a hypothesis, right? Right. And then you, and you need evidence to, right. to prove it, right? And, and if you don't, right. then... And I think that's brilliant. And I wish, actually, religions would adopt that formula in some ways. Um, or be willing it, to change their viewpoints when new information is totally, presented. Totally, totally. Um, right. And I also have deep respect for religion, and I, I am a spiritual person, um, and I have a lot of friends in different faith communities. In yeah. fact, my family, family itself is yeah. made up of very different faith communities. Yeah. And I have a deep respect for um, the right to believe in what you want to believe, as long as you don't impede other people's rights to believe what Absolutely. they believe. Absolutely, I agree with that 100%. And I think in religion, a lot of times, um, that gets to be an issue, because... Uh, you become so attached to your belief, you feel like it's a threat if other people don't believe it. Right, and, that's that's it, yeah. You know, and I think um, in science, uh, if there is a threat to your theory, there has to be proof, proof. that that and is And you threatening. welcome it. Yeah, you welcome you're it. excited if they you can prove you wrong. You should welcome it, yeah. Um, and I think when in the matters of religion, it's there the, the idea of proof is is very hard to 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 grasp you know i mean there's right. not a lot of those types of things and so because it's a different type of um topic i think i think if people can let go of the idea that well prove me wrong or prove me right be you on my side or not i mean you know i I don't know. It's a really interesting thing. And I, but I love these discussions. I wish more of these types of discussions would happen uh, in religious settings. Like, uh, you know, and, and intercourse and dialogue between different ideologies. And I know it does happen. And I know faith communities that do interact with other faith communities and talk about ideas. And, but it is more rare, I think, um, to, 
to have these conversations with open ears and not get defensive. And in scientific communities, I do think it's people still can get very defensive of their theories. Um, But I think that there's more of an environment for that. I feel like it would be good if, if that could be true for any, uh, really not even just science and religion. Like if we can all hear each other and, and are able to discuss facts and um, or experiences that we've had and like, yeah. and be able to really listen to somebody else's and not feel threatened by that. Or if it does threaten your beliefs, like be open to why, right? you know, um, or be willing to have a conversation with someone who has opposing viewpoints to yours and yeah. just enjoy their viewpoint yeah. and then move on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, that's the kind of thing I, that's why I love podcasts actually yeah. a lot of times is because and I think you do a good job of this. I, I know you want to do more of this, too. Is like, you have friends on that you really disagree with Yeah, a lot of the times. And Doug and I be, never no, agree. No, you and Doug, exactly what we I'm never, thinking of. We, we always experience Star Trek in, like, polar opposite ways. Yeah, yeah. But I I I listen to a, a lot of podcasts that are either storytelling podcasts or... Um, but another one I listen to a lot is um, sort of just types of talk shows, right? Where they talk about different topics and... I always find the most most engaging ones is when the people don't agree. Yeah, and they're a- and they're able to have a productive conversation about right. it. Right. If you're just if you're just talking to someone that's like, yep, 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 that's me. I think that. I think that. Right. You know. I mean, it's great to have <laughs> have um, similar viewpoints to people because you can bond over that, and sure. that's great too. But I I think it's important to expose yourself to other ways of thinking of things. And it's also so difficult to disagree with someone productively. Like, sure. And also, like, sometimes you fall into the trap of playing devil's advocate where you disagree with everything someone's saying just because you want to be the one who was right. And that's so toxic. Oh, I don't agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, this is all yeah. really interesting stuff. Yeah, I know I, we've, we've kind of uh, gone beyond the have, idea of consciousness. Well, just to bring it back a little bit, I think about, you know, my my physics classes in like high school sure or science classes in high school where we talked about physics yeah and the idea that every action has an equal and opposite reaction yeah and yeah. my i remember my teacher telling me that when you push against a wall that wall pushes back at you mm. like the the strength of that wall holds up against you with equal and opposite reaction otherwise your hand would break through the wall yeah so that's like a small example of this idea of physics. And yeah. what if that is true of consciousness as well? Yeah. Like, what if your consciousness pushing against something yeah. can have an equal and opposite reaction against you? And maybe that's why when you think about someone, sometimes they call you. Sure. Um, yeah. Maybe like your, maybe you can reach out with your consciousness. Yes, which is, I think, deeply spiritual or at least sure. like some form of magic. And sure. I don't think that these have to be opposing ideas. Right. And actually, my high school science teacher, um, I really adored him and he talked a little bit about in class he was you know about this topic of faith versus science and he was like i believe that being a scientist is a deep act of faith Hmm. because i believe that it is the ultimate way of wanting to understand and know the universe and and to have beauty to see beauty and belief in in the things that surround us and and that you know, and he's like, and I don't think of myself as a person that is without faith. And um, and he's like, and I also am very open to the idea that there is God in some form. And I want to understand as much as I can what that means. Yeah. And sci- from a scientific lens, like, right. what is God 
from si- if you look at it through science like right. that i don't i don't think i mean i know there are a lot of people that are religious that would see that as a very offensive statement that science is like the antithesis of god to them but for me i feel like if you have this deep rooted belief in something and you're in this world right and you believe that this thing made this world why wouldn't you want to understand this world as as deeply as you could right you know i I just i think you know if every form of matter has some element of consciousness and we were created because of the scientific processes that take place throughout the universe throughout time yes in some ways couldn't you call the universe god and the act of creation that 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 we constantly see around us with life growing to be created by God, if, if we're looking at this universal consciousness as God? Yes. Could this article be the first step in understanding God scientifically through the lens of consciousness? Sure, maybe. Sure, sure. Well, yeah, maybe. Why not? And I like being open to new information coming in about God, even yeah. though I'm not a religious person. And I think that makes it a lot easier for me. Yeah. Because if I, you know, I, I grew up in a, uh, my family is Jewish and we did go to services as a kid and I am expo- I was exposed to a lot of religion. I was a religious studies minor in college, so I know a fair amount about religion mm-hmm. and I've read a lot about what different people around the world think of as God and there is a common thread mm. of this consciousness that is beyond our own or bigger than our own. Yes, greater than us. And if yeah. and you know, if and we are what if we are a part of that and we are as much God as as God is you know sure i don't know i I love this type of shit and i love thinking about the universe and these sort of systems of of thought and and consciousness and like it all could be tied together and maybe cracking the code of consciousness in some way could provide some insight into uh some sort of scientific reality of some sort of higher power or higher consciousness oh yeah i love it oh i think you're so right And, and so many religions do say um and this is in more of sort of a I'm taking it a little out of context, but like God is within you, right? Like right. he is all around you and within you. And, and also that's what Star Trek, Star Wars Star says, Wars. but like there, there is actually, I mean, I, you know, um, my it Torah portion, us, like it penetrates it, us, yes, it binds the universe together. It, that's it. And I, luminous and I, beings are we. <laughs> exactly. But I actually remember on my bat mitzvah, my Torah po- portion was a part of, um, of the Torah that that specifically says this, and it and it and it says it in you know a very um, large uh, wording that is that isn't what I'm about to say, but it basically is saying you don't have to go out and search for God. Like God is, you you know, it talks about this man that like goes on this journey to find God, but God is just really within you the whole time, and and you can look at that with the article you're talking about right now and and see it as the same thing like the saying the same thing but looking at it in a very different way and i just like i hope we get to a place where those two realms don't have to butt heads yeah like they can support each other and um and yeah i mean i i am i always root for science because i I love science. I I think that it's one of the most beautiful things any person can do is is try to understand the world around them. Yeah. Um and I am also a spiritual person and I don't find those two things contrary at all. Like I right. find them very harmonious. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I, there's also bad science out there. You oh, know? sure. Like, what if what if someone did this rice test that you talked about? Yeah, and the three rooms that they had rice in had different humidity totally and that caused mold to grow faster in one room than the other like there is absolutely human error and coincidence involved and that's why totally that's why scientists require other people to 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 do the same tests that they did and get the same result yeah for it to be considered you know uh, accurate Or, like, to the best of our knowledge, this is good science. Totally. And that's where a lot of, like, pseudoscience comes in. And, you know, like, we were just talking this morning about this naturopath that I saw for years. Sure. And how... Year and a half, two years. Yeah, he felt like his methods were more scientifically scientifically accurate than um, traditional Western medicine. And I didn't see any benefit. Like, I, I saw him for a long time, and I did not get better on his treatment plan. Yeah. And I actually, like, have some of the... Uh, supplements around that he used and I looked one of them up because I'm like oh I wonder about this nasal spray because I've been using some Flonase recently for allergies and stuff I'm like, I wonder if I could use this old natural remedy that he had and I looked it up and and like the Mayo Clinic says don't use this it's dangerous right I'm like wow this is something that my naturopath was giving me and there's like no scientific evidence that it is beneficial yeah and there is scientific evidence that it is harmful sure and it's it's scary to you know like you go seek help from a professional yeah. who has trained uh, and like Bastyr University is a naturopathic university here in Seattle that's very highly regarded and that's yes. where this guy went. Right. Um, but he also was always talking about how he's the only one who like has these advanced theories about how this stuff works and yeah. you know, like the, sci- this- the scientific community requires you to not be the only one who can prove something. It requires that the community yeah. can come together and and replicate your results Mm -hmm. because we're trying to find how the universe works we're trying to find how the body works we're trying to prove um consistency yeah and and predictability right and and through that gain understanding sure like if if the sun you know if you if you meet someone who tells you that like the sun does not rotate around like, or the earth is not rotating around the sun every 24 hours. We're actually rotating around two different stars. And every other day you see a different star. And I'm the only person who's been able to figure this out. <laughs> you know, like so, there's someone out there who's going to believe that. Yeah. I just made that up. That's not real. No, no. Uh, yeah. But, but it's so like, this is, this is where there is a bit of a breakdown where some people are like, yes, I read this scientific article that said this thing, right. but it wasn't necessarily vetted or um, right. replicated or published in a sure. reputable journal. Sure. And I mean, I'm sure I'm guilty of that with the space news because I'm just pulling out articles that are interesting to me. Yeah. So my own bias about consciousness and wanting to learn more about it brought me to bring this article in today. Sure. And this is an extremely theoretical article. Yes. Yeah. There's, there's, I'm not saying at all that like all, all matter has consciousness. No, I, no. But no. I'm saying, isn't that interesting? Let's think about that. Let's examine that. Let's talk about the implications of that because that's what you know i'm not a scientist but i am a fan and i am a science fiction nerd so this sort of theoretical science in in my opinion opens your opens your consciousness to all sorts of cool science science fiction ideas and that's where i'm coming from and that's what i want to share i love it i love it i i this is like it's making me think of so many things we could really have our own show about things like this (laughs) but um i uh, there was a sermon that was given in synagogue when I was living in New York, and I'll never forget this phrase that the rabbi said. It's a very silly and simple phrase, but um, she was telling a story about her husband uh, breaking his cell phone, and like he was totally cool about it. <laughs> but anyway, she said the phrase, hold on tightly, let go lightly. 
And I love that. I think that that you can apply that to all sorts of things um, in terms of your beliefs. And like, I think that what you believe is very precious and you should, and you should hold on to it very tightly. But if there is anything that, that can expand it or, um, replace it that is or evolve it or evolve it like let go of it lightly and and let something else in and yeah um yeah so i mean when i hear something like this article i'm like yeah okay yeah i could see that yeah totally yeah you know yeah there's a great movie kevin smith movie dogma i love this movie but Mm -hmm. um he talks about how it's better to have ideas than beliefs yeah and i've always i've really tried to live by that since then that there are things that i think of as being real or true but yeah. they are the best idea that i have it's yeah. not necessarily a belief yeah it's yeah. not set in That's stone great and that and there we go is the, the space, space news! news space news that was a good space news yeah. that was the longest one we've ever done yeah before we beam you out of here do you want to share any thoughts about lost in space season two because you and i watched it together oh wow we did yeah <sighs> Oh. <laughs> um Mhm. I uh I don't I don't know. I don't know about this show. Yeah. <laughs> uh I feel like um there were some things I really enjoyed in season 2. Yeah. Uh I really enjoyed getting to know Dr. Smith. Smith, thank yeah. you. More. Parker Posey. Her char- her character and also just that actress portrayal of so good. that role is so, so good. Um, and like what a complex character. Like I I she's such a villain. She's such a villain, but but just like in such a colorful and interesting way. And um and you do, you kind of feel you kind of empathize with her in moments and then she flips a switch and you're like, what the fuck? So, um, so I loved that aspect of it. Um, the, the, like Jesse and I started counting or trying to predict how many insane (laughs) disasters disasters would happen in each episode. And I think one time Jesse guessed 12 and it was actually like 12. (laughs) Um, And um, so I got a little sick of that. And just how many close calls can we really buy into in the show? I know it's the tone. I know it's like, and in a movie, I think you can get away with that. You know, in an hour and a half to two hours. (laughs) But you're like, okay, this is the one adventure that's going to last for two hours and a lot of crazy shit's going to go down. But at the end, this is what's going to happen. But with a TV show, if you try to cram a movie's worth of disasters into each each episode, it just starts to become way too much of a stretch of the imagination. It gets so eye-rolly. It does. Like. Yeah. And there were moments in this in season two that I loved. I, yeah. Season two was far better than season one. Season one was just like disaster after disaster to the point where I just didn't give a shit about anything. Yeah. But season two, there was some fun character development. There was some uh, self-awareness on the part of the show itself that mm. it was overdoing it. Yeah. Purposefully. Sure. And that got fun because... Like, th- that sort of space romp adventure that doesn't take itself seriously can be fun. Yeah. But then it kept veering back into taking itself seriously I know, again. I know, I know, And I agree. it was so disappointing whenever that would happen. Like It was. And I did not like the way that the season wrapped up. Like, the last 
right before the end of the season, we looked at each other like, wow, we're really enjoying this, aren't we? Yeah. And then the way it ended, it was like, God, that's just so out of left field. So many weird disasters. So much that didn't make sense. Like yeah. when the robots are all magnetized in that room. I'm like, what's even happening? I know. I know. I completely agree. I also am starting to really hate their family dynamic. I know. Which is really frustrating because that's the thing you want to be the most on board with. Right. But it just keeps feeling like it's like, well, whatever dad says, ultimately, right. like he makes the decisions. And then also... The parents, they're just, the tone in which they talk to their kids, it's always like, well, Robinson, stick together and we're going to make this work. We're going to make this work. We're going to da da da. And it's like, who made you the king of the castle? Like, yeah. I don't know. I They're annoying to me a little yeah, bit, to totally, be honest. Totally. They are so self important. And um, I know that they're. In the show, they're often right, but there is... But that's because it's written that way. It's exactly. And they actually don't fail a lot. And and that makes them unlikable, Hmm. I think. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, because you, you and I did a, a podcast long ago about the Lost in Space movie. Yeah. The 90s right. movie, Joey in Space. <laughs> Joey one in of my space. favorite movies. Um, and that movie, I think, hits the perfect tone of, like, these crazy disasters are happening to this family who's alone in space. Yeah. And what are they going to do about it? Right. And it's just wonderful. And the show on Netflix, like, every once in a while hits that note just right. And I've yeah. watched the original series a little bit as well. Mm. And, you know, it's very campy and fun and over the top and very enjoyable. Yeah. Um, and I feel like the new show is falling into this trap that a lot of new shows are falling into, which is, like... We have to have the most shocking shit happen. (laughs) And in doing that, kind of loses track of narrative arc and character arcs Mm -hmm. and like making sure your character motivations make sense and that the story makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I felt, I feel that a little bit in Star Trek Picard. You know, we just recorded the last uh, two episodes of Star Trek Picard for Star Trek Club. I don't think those are even out yet as as this podcast is coming out. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, you know, and I feel like The Rise of Skywalker did that. We got to watch that. It comes out on digital this week. You haven't seen it yet. I haven't. Um, I'm so excited. And I still like all this stuff. You know, yeah. I, I, this is still my genre. I'm just like diehard sci-fi nerd. And totally. You put something in space and I'm going to watch it and, prob- <laughs> and enjoy it on some degree. Yeah. And like there was stuff in Lost in Space season two where, you know, they're in that like gas giant... Um, and we see this like crazy space whale in the gas giant. Oh, that and was I'm amazing. Just, like, I like it took my breath away. Yeah. I literally gasped. Yeah, it was beautiful. I love that type of shit. Totally. I love that. But then, you know, this stupid thing happens after that makes you roll your eyes. And that's just kind of part of the journey of Lost in Space. Yeah. And now I find myself kind of liking the show, even though I think it's kind of terrible. Yeah. And I'm excited for another season. I hear the third season's going to be its last. Hmm. And I, I'm enjoying it. Like, I actually think that people should watch it. I think it's kind of <laughs> worth watching. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in some ways, honestly... This is going to sound weird, but it's a. am enjoying it on the same level I enjoy Love Island, <laughs> which <laughs> yeah. is, so Jesse and I have been watching a lot of Love Island. It's a stressful time in the world. We got to relax. You know, we got to relax. And I think where you go, you're watching a show and you go, this is ridiculous. And I don't even know if I am in that invested in any of the people that I'm watching go on this journey, but I'm having fun. And right. uh, despite it all, I am enjoying this, even though I know it's kind of terrible. I don't have to think that hard uh, because exactly. if you think hard, it'll break your brain. And the fact that I don't necessarily really like any of these people or characters actually 
helps me enjoy it more sometimes because I'm less yeah I'm less of on an emotional roller coaster because whatever happens I'm kind of okay right with it. right it's just know? like Lost in Space <laughs> although we are big Shanice and Luke T fans yes we are and they're doing well we're bigger fans of Luke T and Luke M though oh so cute. he's so cute that reminds me we just started watching Outlander oh man yeah. we should do it maybe we should do good i would love to do a podcast about it when we're done with the okay when we're done with season, season one yeah, let's plan I think on so. it yeah because it's yeah. like slightly sci-fi yeah and it is created and run by ronald d moore who's one of the, like the great writers of star trek mm. and deep space nine yeah. iris stephen bear who's the showrunner of deep space nine is yeah. a co-executive producer on outlander so several of the brilliant minds that made deep space nine which is what we're going to talk about right after this on this podcast today Woo! made outlander and it's one of the better made shows that i've seen in a long time yeah just the acting the production quality the mm-hmm. attention to detail yeah the writing oh my god it, it is gripping and grossing it's a little slow but it's like yeah what once you get into the meat of it i like Every moment of it is etching itself into my mind. Like, this is the type of TV that I love the most, where you can just feel the care that was taken to make this reality. Yes. To to kind of make you think about your own life and the way that you exist in your world. Yes. It's wonderful. It's consciously slow, I think. I think it's intentionally slow, and it does it in a way that is so crafted um, that it doesn't bother me at all. Yeah. Um, But there is some violence. Yeah, I mean, maybe we should save this for if we do a podcast about it, but there was a scene two nights ago that I actually lost it. I I was, like, crying. I was so deeply... Uh, upset. Yeah. But well, th- yeah. Let's let's save this. Yeah, let's, yeah, everyone yeah, go watch yeah. Outlander season one. Andy and I will talk about it in the yeah, future when we it, finish it. And please hang in there because because you know Jesse and I watched the first episode or the first two episodes, and Jesse was kind of like, yeah, this is I could this this could be okay. Like yeah. I I am okay with. I mean I I would watch more of it. I'm not sure that I'm dying to watch more of it. And my mom actually kept saying, "Have you been watching Outlander? My parents it's so too. good. It's yeah. so good." And I finally was like, Jesse, we just have to do it what now when if we're not doing it now when are we doing it right and uh and once we got past the first i would say four episodes i mean it is just incredible television absolutely well i didn't mean to add an extra 50 minutes onto this podcast holy smokes well, i meant to yeah. do like a tight 15 space well, news but that's feel okay free to edit it was good i won't i'm gonna put it out um yeah i mean the way that i've been able to put out as much content as i have is just by Putting out the whole thing, you yeah, know? Sure enough. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, totally. And but this I was... do need to finish my shower. Yeah. So let me beam you back up. Yeah. Thank, thank you, you, Andy. This was lovely. It this was, was a really good one. Really good. And let's beam you out of there. Okay. Don't go check. All right, space nerds. Let's get into Doug Space Nine. We are talking about the Nagus and Vortex, episodes 10 and 11 from Star Trek Deep Space Nine season one. This was originally live streamed on my YouTube page on, let's see, November... Uh, 30th, 2018, and it does still exist there if you'd like to check it out in video format. I'll put a link in the description. Um, And while you're on my YouTube page, don't forget to check out the first edition of Mercury Rising, my new space news slash science fiction slash comedy web series. It's a five-minute video. I'm really excited about it. I've gotten some really good uh, feedback on it. People seem to be enjoying it, and I hope you'll check it out. That is at youtube.com slash Sci-Fi. All right. Doug Space Nine time. Let's go. We're live now. Can you do me a favor? Well, yeah. Can you make the sound of an asteroid passing by? 
dog space night. Wait, I sang the wrong song. <laughs> also, what I should have done is what I've done. Can you make that sound of an asteroid? Oh, yeah, there's no sound in space, goddammit. <laughs> Wait, do it again, do it again. Dog Space Nine. Dog <laughs> Space Nine. Dog 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 Space. You're not singing with me. It's you're just laughing at me instead of singing with me. Hello, we're here. What's up, people? How's it going? What's up, Corey? What's up, Slazinski? Amanda, welcome everybody. It is wonderful to see you. We wrote an intro song. We practiced, <laughs> we practiced it every day for a week straight, Mm-mm. and Jesse still missed like all of his marks. <laughs> I am incensed. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Hold on. <laughs> Something very important. Okay. Ready? Ready? <laughs> Hello. I am Commander Benjamin Sisko. Doug, your singing was inadequate in that opening segment. <laughs> and I am very upset with you. Look, I knew you'd be jealous, so I brought this for you. Oh, I got a Picard! <laughs> What do you have to say for yourself, young officer? Sorry about your wife. (laughs) But you have no authority to judge the singing of Ensign Gale under my command. I instructed him on singing. And I know that he can hit his marks without fail. Well, I didn't want to be in charge of singing, and maybe I will resign my commission because... I missed the Utopia Planitia shipyards. Resign your commission? (laughs) Benjamin, we've been down this road several times. (laughs) I don't think a day has gone by since you've taken command. You don't call me Benjamin. (gasps) My wife called me Benjamin, and you killed her. (laughs) (laughs) Ah! (laughs) I'm the emissary of the prophets. (laughs) And you are my bitch. (laughs) Okay, that's the alternate, uh, the alternate original script for the emissary. This is this is the um, uh, mirror universe. It's a preview of Deep Space Nine's deep dive into the mirror universe. It's a second mirror universe <laughs> in which Benjamin Sisko makes everyone his bitch. Wait, he was holding something. Cool. Oh, it's still in my pocket. Look, I have a little tricorder. Oh, that's that cute. He don't look, need a tricorder. Look at this tricorder. It's so tiny. <laughs> he's Damnable not gonna boxes. He's not gonna hold the orb of the prophets. Oh, he will. He's Picard. Oh my God, it's gonna work. Wow. No. Nope, it's not gonna work. <laughs> These Star Trek action figures are so interesting because, like, my orb. Because <laughs> they have like, like you can like rotate their arms all the way around. Like this, this isn't right. This isn't right. I shouldn't be able to do this. <laughs> But you can, like, rotate their arms and and bend their arms. Jesse, I have a way to increase our viewership. What? It is, this is now a Star Trek action figure ASMR video. <laughs> yes. Wait. You are a good ensign. Wait, wait, I'm the microphone's so... right here. Yes, you are a good ensign. I am so glad to have had you on my ship. Hmm. Have you ever read the Dicks 
novels. No, that's not a entendre. That's the um, favorite holodeck program of your Captain Picard. <laughs> All I'm, I'm just like rotating his torso back and forth, and it makes a really nice clicking noise. Who was the detective Dixon? Dixon Hill. Dixon Hill. Damn yeah. it! That's what I wanted. Oh, I thought you meant <laughs> Detective Dix on purpose. <laughs> You're ready? You watched the video of Brent Spiner in person fetch oh my god, yeah, I've seen that before. Well, he's done that a lot at conventions. He's got a very good Patrick Stewart impersonation. Good to see you, Corey. Welcome, dude. Alright, you guys, welcome to Doug Space Nine. This week we are talking about how Star Trek action figures work. It's <laughs> a mistake to give me these. But yeah, I was gonna say, like, they have all this uh motion in the limbs. Like, I can like they're fully articulated. Fully articulated, thank you. He can do this. And then this, which is wrong. Ow, ow. Right. It's like, what am I, a changeling? You cannot stop doing this to my arms. This is not good. But, like, Star Wars action figures don't do that. And I, like, collected Star Wars action figures as a kid. I had a few of these, a few of the Star Trek ones, but I always felt like their arms worked so strangely that it kind of bothered me. <laughs> Why does he look strangely familiar? Are you talking about this guy? Or are you talking about this guy? Because he's here, like, every time. <laughs> What's up, Ugly Stewie? Dude, Doug, check this out. On my, uh, on my, for my uh, channel members now, they have badges for based off how long they've been here. Uh, so you get Jordy if you've been here for, I think, two, two, three months, two months? All right, so all these, all these, uh, fresh young meat with the, uh, wrenches. That's the moderators. Oh, yeah, I'm the, sorry. The Our green... wonderful helpers with their <laughs> tools of justice. The tools of justice. The green is the uh, the channel members. Okay. Okay. My okay. guest looks strangely familiar. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> By my guest, you mean Captain Benjamin Sisko, who's now doing <laughs> yoga of some kind. <laughs> Let's see. Let's do cat cow. No, uh, let's stop. This is weird. <laughs> okay. This got weird. The Nagus. The Nagus. Okay, we're talking about two episodes today. We're talking about the Nagus and um, Vortex. I'm like, what's the other one? The Nagus is when Deep Space Nine decides to take a hard turn and go, but what if we were also a lighthearted comedy? What if we were a comedy? <laughs> what totally. if we were a comedy? <laughs> Wallace Shawn as Grand Nagus uh, Zek. Yeah. I. What do you think of this episode? Ah, boy, I... I love me some Wallace Shawn. I love this episode, even though it is, objectively speaking, a really terrible episode. You think so? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. I it feels... It's, it's, I this episode what you're talking has about. TNG, it's early first season. It's worst episodes were ones that were so, so much like uh, the original series, where in tone or in spirit, it, was, yeah. it hadn't found itself. That, like, weird <laughs> wah, 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 wah humor, you know? <laughs> and this episode is like the worst of TNG season one while it was trying to find itself and was still doing strangely toned episodes back to back with serious episodes. Wow. Like I, the conspiracy and then the one after that is like the uh, We the, only had Paris. The space we always cowboy. Had Paris. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Um oh no wait, no, that was all that was after the Armis episode. After Conspiracy. No, you're right, Space Cowboy, the the, the neutral zone, the season finale. Right, and the yeah, yeah, guitar. Yeah. My little robot friend. We I, on the road to tour with guitars. I loved this episode. The Negus, I thought it was fantastic. I was like, this is good TV, like on every level. <laughs> like, oh, they're doing a comedy now and they're really pulling it off. And I like the comedy. It's funny. Wallace Shawn is great. Wallace Shawn is great. They're giving Quark a lot more to do. They're really distinguishing themselves from TNG by saying, like, we do this tone also. Right. And this tone stays. Like, this tone sticks around for, for the, the rest of the show. Right. 
we have these episodes with the Ferengi and with the Negus and with bumbling brain injury Rom and <laughs> this was like the transition right this is when Rom's character like switches on it's, yeah it's when you first start to see him I think that he started uh, smoking weed. <laughs> I think that this is not brain injury. I think that this is drugs. Well, what they do show, it's I know, in this tube one, grubs. He's, he's on the tube grubs. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the beetle snuff. Beetle snuff. Yes, <laughs> he's been dipping into. The Rom snuff. discovers his quirk stash of beetle snuff, <laughs> and that's why he's weird from now on. <laughs> he was all like authoritarian and strict before, mm-hmm. and they show. <laughs> I didn't realize it, but they show hints of him doing it to other people like he's that way to his son and then when he's when he's complaining about the federation but it's weird it still doesn't fit with his his uh, characterization you know i like him as the, yeah. the the doof yeah it's it is interesting that he is finally the doof but he's also like a fucking cold-blooded killer yes. <laughs> like he's trying to kill his brother and then the very next episode he's all excited about the idea of odo dying yeah like he has no regard for the the, the sanctity of life whatsoever i'm telling it's you it's the beetle snuff man it is rom is going through some weird shit right now <laughs> so when he's acting that way is when he's all hopped up on beetle snuff yeah. so what we're eventually going to see is rom free of the grip of beetle snuff mania yeah, because he finds love eventually. That's true. And then he, he balances out a little bit. And he finds his place in the universe. He finds a job. Oh, Amanda says Julian finally notices how annoying someone finds him. Oh, no, wrong episode. Yeah, because that episode doesn't exist. <laughs> the episode where Julian... I was just thinking, like, I watched it again right now, and I feel like there wasn't any Julian in this one. Yeah, there was mercifully small amounts of Julian. I There was actually, no one else. This is one of those, like, people talk about it like the Ferengi episodes. Right. You know, it made me want to do a binge watch of just the Ferengi episodes. Uh, that would be awful. Deep Space Ferengi. Like, I do like the Ferengi episodes, but I feel like I like them because I see them, like, once a season. Mm-hmm. If I saw more than that, oh, I'd be uh, furious. <laughs> Although the one where they accidentally go back in time is fucking fantastic. Funny, it's yeah. so good. He notices O'Brien finds him annoying soon. Oh, okay. Okay, we'll keep an eye out for that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I... So I, I really like this episode. I love the... I love that they start to kind of flesh out the Ferengi a little bit. Yes. Because I think that that, like, actually works pretty well for them. Yeah. You know, like, the the whole idea of the Ferengi being this laughable uh, foil for the Federation for years, it finally is addressed in this episode. Like, right. Well... Yeah, we, like, Jake kind of confronts Ben about this. He's like, you want us to, like, build relationships with everyone in the galaxy. What's wrong with me being friends with a Ferengi? And he's like, well, Ferengi are annoying, you know? Like, the Ferengi are obnoxious and not to be trusted. And Sisko, like, is pointed out to, I mean, it is pointed out to Sisko by his son that he is kind of, like, racist against the Ferengi. 100%, right. the, The Federation kind of is in general yes just as a whole yes and then it's so interesting to see a deep dive into their culture in this episode because they are just like Americans yeah <laughs> they're just like greedy Americans yeah people it's, sorry, it's, it's capitalism it's, it's capitalism doing, it's yeah right. yeah people always try to make the I, I, I hear the complaint a lot and I'm Jewish so we're going into this knowing that I'm Jewish but I hear the complaint a lot that like people complain that the Ferengi seem to be like a, a broad Jewish character, a character exactly stereotype. like a Jewish stereotype, yeah. Which I never agreed with. Like I never saw that. I I never really got that from from them. Like I heard that. I'm like, are they like that? I don't know. But then I I watched the show. I'm like, no, they're just greedy Americans. You know, they're just like greedy capitalists. Capitalists, right? The thing is that because there's an existing stereotype about Jewish people, then if you try to do a hyper example, hyper mocking of a uh, 
capitalism obsessed with money, you come up against this existing stereotype. Against you, truth. Right. Yeah. So it, yeah. it's just... If you were going to do it as a way of, you know, oh, I, I want to lean into the Jewish stereotype, you would do it in a different way. You wouldn't do right. it in this way. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I totally agree with that. And I do think that I kind of take issue with people saying that it seems Jewish because of because that is sort of like playing into the stereotype that that Jews are greedy, right. which is like a weird stereotype. Right. And I actually was like listening to something recently that talked about the where that came from and it was like Jews being underprivileged in America and like you know like my family is an immigrant family like several generations back where we came across on like the Ellis Island thing where my family name is not you know I don't I don't it's reveal Mercury. <laughs> no it's not Mercury I don't reveal my actual <laughs> last name on stream anymore because it got dangerous at one point they but changed my, our name to Mercury my actual Island. last name like as a person we don't know if that is my real last name right, like right, we don't right. know if that came across <laughs> correctly uh, I, I don't know if it was Ellis Island but whenever like my family came off the boat somewhere yeah, generations ago from Russia <laughs> you, were, you come from a family of <laughs> Mercury merchants in the yeah, old country <laughs> my my great 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 grandfather uh, was see, it Mercury Merchants? Uh, like what was I don't know. Let's say Mort Mordecai became <laughs> Mordecai Mordecai Mort Mer Mercury. <laughs> uh, Mortimer Mercury. Ooh, your uh, distant relatives are uh, uh, aliens, or one is, mm -hmm. and then just where are you from? Mercury, and they're like, okay, yeah, totally. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Um, but anyway, so these people that like came to America and had almost nothing were fleeing, you know, religious persecution and like fleeing the Holocaust. Right. Uh, coming to America, not having much and not being able to spend money on anything because they didn't have enough to spend it on, gained a reputation for being extremely frugal and it right. was out of necessity. Uh, but there was this distrust of Americans not trusting anyone who was different, right. and then uh, that frugality ended up turning into success because of the American dream that doesn't exist anymore. Right. And then those people became wealthy, and uh, and then the Americans were, like, suspicious and jealous of that, and then it turned into this stereotype. Yeah. I don't know how much of that is, is an accurate reading of the actual situation, but I heard that the other day and mm -hmm. thought it was fascinating and made a lot of sense to me. Mm -hmm. So the whole idea that Ferengi are supposed to be Jews, like, never sat well Space with me. Jews. It almost feels, like, racist against Jews or stereotypical <laughs> against Jews to, to think that. And, like, as a Jew, it never occurred to me. Right. And I get it why people say it, because of the stereotype, but I, but I would never fault the show for it. I don't think that it's in the show. Because if the, so if they were going to do it, then they would make it be that the Ferengi also secretly had power over the Federation or over something. You know, they would put them in the status of, of power. Uh, they would just have them run run space Hollywood, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be another angle, yeah. yeah. Oh, there would be Hollywood. a lot of like Baruchata, Adonai, Melachenu, Melach Ferengi. You know, there'd be a lot of that. There'd be there'd be like some of the religious elements. Absolutely, because, yeah, yeah. The Bajorans are, is a better argument than like Absolutely. this is supposed to be. The, the Bajorans are an intentional. <laughs> right, they are an intentional uh, trying to be Israeli. Like I've read this before from the producers. Like, well, because the, the, the Cardassians are the Nazis. The Bajorans are supposed to be Jewish. Right. The Bajorans are the space Jews. They are the story of the of like the the people that have you know been persecuted who now have like a land of their own to reclaim that like that wants is back. yeah that is the story of the bajorans mm -hmm. on purpose they're supposed to be like israelis when israel became 
you know, a, a, a state of its own. Like, right. That, and, that is intentional. And Cardassia is the space Nazis. And Cardassians are the space Nazis. Right. Absolutely. Golducat is... Is he... He's not really, like, a Hitler-y... No, dude, he's, though. like, an efficient. You know, he's, like, the... What was the one uh, Schindler's List where there's somebody who works for the place, but Goldicott is the evil version of that. Like he's yeah. the guy that like d- did not get a heroes movie about him. Like for- Goldicott runs a concentration camp. Yeah. Like Deep Space Nine, for all intents and purposes, before it was Deep Space Nine, when it was Empok Nor, was a concentration camp. Yeah, and they do, th- to their credit, they do a good job of getting into all of that kind of stuff. They do. They yeah. do a really good episode about that. But yeah, the people that up. see the Ferengi and say, oh, this is like a, a, a Jewish stereotype, or I, I can see if you're questioning it. If you believe it, then I think that's a willful misreading of the situation. I when agree. there's a, Especially when there's an obvious, uh, explicit parallel uh, right. to Jewish people. You're just yeah. picking a shitty one going, yeah, but look at this. Yeah, and I think that that type of thing comes from people who, you know, who enjoy... I, I, okay, I am guilty of this. I know everyone's guilty of this at some point, but sometimes it is fun to like look at how someone is acting and behaving and make generalizations and mock them for it. You know, like we've all done that before, but it is, that is like the root of something that is so harmful and has become a divisive thing in our society where that mockery then turns into like, well, because they're different and because we're laughing at them, they, they can't be trusted and we really shouldn't like have relationships and friendships with them. And then like conspiracy theories start to come out of that because there's like this divide between people it's amazing how those things kind of like spiral out of control. And I I really love the fact that they kind of address that with the Ferengi in this show by making a species who is mockable and laughable right. and kind of despicable in so many ways, but like still kind of respectable. There's still something <laughs> kind of great about the Ferengi. Like when you get into the great material continuum, it th- their way of thinking almost becomes like slightly beautiful. Right, right. And like, you know, we see change happen in the Ferengi over the course of the show. I, I just really like what they did with the Ferengi. You know, I, I I really appreciate it. And to me, this is like the beginning of it because up until this point on the show, it's just been a lot of like, uh, what's the word? Just like it's surface stuff. Yeah, yeah, like broad surface stuff. Right. And then we start to get a little bit deeper here. Like, what is their ethos? How do they think? Right. What's important to them? It's when they move beyond like all Ferengi are this way. You know, where you've met a handful of Ferengi over the show, but then they start to broaden uh, the the personalities of the individual Ferengis that they meet. Yeah. And through them, you start to see their culture, their society. Uh, the TNG did that with Klingons. Yeah, you know, that was the Absolutely. big thing that they... Totally. But that, you don't see that early on in the first two seasons yeah. of Star Trek, of Next Generation. That's a really good point. I think that the relationship is similar, that the original series kind of did it with Vulcans, just through Spock. I mean, every yes. every series has like one particular alien species that they really develop. Yeah, and Discovery goes back to Klingons and fixes and, some stuff and ruins. They make them the monsters everything. they should be. Oh my god! Oh my god! I mean, what's the point of having space orcs that you're going to fight in space Ugh. unless they're orcs? You know what? Thank you, Discovery. Moving on. Um, <laughs> I will say that Deep Space Nine also really develops changelings and. And not quite as much as Ferengi, but redevelops quite a bit. redevelops changelings. We've had changelings since TNG, but everyone seems to forget about that. Wait, wait, wait! Wesley made out with a changeling. Come on! Oh, the Elasimorph. Yeah, they have a name for it. It's not even a species. Yeah, they that know. episode is dumb. Mm. <laughs> I mean, okay. it is Odo's people. <laughs> I I don't think that that's the same species. Oh, you were saying that that uh, shapeshifters the- developed independently throughout the galaxy. Yes. Hmm. Yes. Because the elasimorph, if they shapeshifted into a glass 
and then we're thrown against the wall. That's the that's they vortex. wouldn't break. That's vortex. We can we're, save that. Yeah, we'll save that. I'm very excited to talk about that. But speaking of discovery, yes, and <laughs> discovery is a trash fire. By the way, I did watch the two short treks that have been released. Oh like, yeah. In between seasons one and two, Discovery is releasing these like 15 to 20 minute short like anthology episodes. Mm-hmm. And the first one, did you have you seen these? I yet? haven't watched either one of them. Yeah. The first one was fantastic. Mm. It was wonderful. Great. It was so good. It was the by far the best thing that Discovery has put out. Okay. I'm pretty sure it was different writers and creative team, and it doesn't yeah. feature any of the actors from the show. Right. I mean, um, which is the way Star Trek is in general. Yeah. That's oh, I'm sorry. It's the second one, not the first one. The yeah. first one features Tilly, and the second one is uh, right. The second one they I had a remember. professional writer. It's the oh, uh, is it? Yeah. I want. Is it? Uh, I'm so curious. I was going to look this up and I forgot. Yeah, because I've been reading about it and. Uh, um, this is really screaming on my part. Uh, what was the name of it? I don't remember. Right, so one that's like a bunch of years in the future. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was so good. Yeah, Michael, I don't know how to pronounce Michael his name. Chabin wrote that? Yeah. I don't know how to pronounce his name either. Okay, he is show running the Picard show. Or like, or like the lead writer or something on the Picard show. Yeah, Michael Schmann writing for, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I read one of his novels once. He's like a real legit author. Yeah, yeah. Wow. It's the, what is he it, wrote the, that? The, police, the policeman's ball, the time traveling detective at the policeman's midnight ball. He, I read something that he wrote where it was like supposed to be Sherlock Holmes in the future, huh? like after he was supposed to have died. Not like time travel future, but like years after he was supposed to have died or something. Oh, Wonder Boys. The Yiddish Policeman's... Is well, that what you're talking about? Yes, the Yiddish Policeman's Union. Oh. I that was that was like one of the, the big books he did that... Uh, oh. Well, now I'm interested in his writing. Cause that, oh, look, we tied it back into uh, Judaism. Look at yeah, the Yiddish go, Policeman's yeah. Ball. <laughs> that, that short Trek episode was... Do, do we know the title of it? Uh, Calypso? Calypso, thank you. Calypso, go watch that, you guys. If you don't have CBS All Access... Don't go watch it. But if you do have CBS All Access, go watch it. I if you've got I restarted eight bucks to spare. Sign yeah. up for CBS All Access. You want actually? Do you, you want more Star Trek? Yeah, I actually am a affiliate with CBS All Access. So if you're gonna mm. sign up for it, let me know. I'll give you a link, <laughs> That's so and funny. you can support this show. <laughs> Literally, two oh, minutes I trash ago, you're like, them all the time. Don't sign up for CBS. I've been All-Access. an affiliate for years, and only one person ever signed up through it, and they hated Discovery, yeah. and I felt so bad. <laughs> Like I, that was an awkward thing for me because they they were trying to support me and they wanted to see Discovery, and it was so and we were all kind of taken aback except for Doug. We were all kind of taken aback by how bad it was. I know better. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah, so I don't really talk about it that much, but I I, I have been a CBS affiliate for, really, ye- for it's years. The real now. soft sell. Yeah, listen, don't <laughs> sign up for CBS All Access. Discovery is garbage. If you're gonna do it anyway, if I can't stop you, use my code. <laughs> uh, that's gonna be the way we approach all advertisers. Yeah, totally. If I can't stop you, use my code. I actually just signed up for Amazon affiliate oh, program. Are we finally doing sure Oh, we're getting naked, man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep going. Um, yeah, so I, don't buy anything on Amazon, but if I can't stop you, use my link. <laughs> right. I feel like we haven't read the chat for a long time. Yes. Uh,. Oh, Amanda thinks Ferengi are gross-looking, yeah, but gross. maybe you have something against ears. I don't know. Do you have, like, what's the opposite of an ear fetish? Atalki, <laughs> what's up, dude? Look, he's got Dana Troy. Isn't that cool? Oh, nice. Congratulations. Yeah. See, sometimes you'll get a mod who is also a member. Oh, 
this that's is like the fanciest of the fancy. I mean, it wants to know if I want more trash fire. Yes, I do. Yes, I, I do. I, okay. I am Star so Trek excited. Is a trash fire on a trash I'm going to be totally honest. I'm pretty excited for season two of Discovery. Yeah, fuck because yeah. Because they fired the, the writers, and I think that the writing was the problem. So if mm-hmm. the, the writers are gone, the showrunners have changed. Although I don't really trust Alex Kurtzman as a showrunner because he made, you know, the Star Trek movies, which are, which are pretty good, but Isn't like. Inner Darkness has some massive issues, you know, that should not have happened, in my opinion. Anyway, Into <laughs> um, Darkness, to me, feels like someone... The person who made Into Darkness could make a bad TV show, you right, know what I mean? Right, uh, But Michael Chabon, or however you say his name... Shaban! 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 I'm very excited for him. I was about to, to look up, like, I don't show. need to look it up how to pronounce it. Yeah. Yeah, the Picard show is going to be great. Yeah, because Calypso was... Mind-blowingly wonderful. It, like I was, uh, I was like completely spellbound by it. It and it was so. It was it was like what a new Star Trek should be. Well, no, it's because they won't. I don't think that they'll make like a whole series of. Oh, they won't. Of they these won't. kinds of things, but what it's showing is that there's flexibility in the property. Yes. To do more with it. It's showing that I think what it's showing to me personally as a fan is like, well, we know that we didn't really get everyone initially like we know we didn't get you all on board with this and we recognize that maybe there's some issues with it but look what else we can do and like come back for season two because we can do other stuff too uh but calypso to me was like it was spellbinding in a way that uh like black mirror or Mm. something like that is spellbinding where it's like the storytelling is just so tight and condensed and wonderful yeah but it also felt so much like star trek to me but in a way that was completely unfamiliar yeah did you ever read that thing i sent squirrel! you squirrel <laughs> this is a squirrel uh, <laughs> yeah there's a squirrel out. there was actually a squirrel outside i am the dog from up <laughs> yeah that's pretty good whose name was douglas <laughs> douglas Sorry, space what were you saying? 9 um Oh, the treatment that Brian uh, Fuller did for his proposal for what Discovery, yeah. or not Discovery, but before Discovery, yeah, when he that's was saying right. that, when it there was, was no new show series, right? Yeah. The Federation, where it's three thousand years in the future. Oh my God, you're right. It mm-hmm. was Calypso. Well, that's I mean, what it became, or at least that it, it shows that they were willing to go further. Wow, I think that one is even further in the future. I don't remember how far it was, but yeah. it it's wonderful. You it's gotta, the only you time they've it. gone into the future and not made it like oh it's a time warp thing and now we're going to reset back to what is has always been the present of Star Trek yeah. you know this is like stakes out canon way in the future which is yeah. wonderful which which is cool I mean Calypso Calypso did like one ir- irreversible thing for the canon of Discovery that cannot be altered <laughs> um, but it didn't really touch the rest of or can it Oh god! <laughs> but it didn't really touch like the rest of the Star Trek lore, right? In a way that was really nice. So, and, and then it just like had so much, so much of an emotional core in a way that was just like fascinating and reminded me of episodes like Measure of a Man and Next Generation, and like thinking about Data and what he is, and like what does it mean to be a, a machine and also right. self-aware. So, yeah, I mean, see, I think gotta watch it, gotta see, watch it. Do we, let's keep talking about Discovery. So, season okay. one of Discovery. I think is the framing device for what's going to be one of the best series of Star Trek. And it's the way that when you watch like a a random episode of TNG and you're like, what the fuck? They just found like this weird thing that would change. And they talk about it in the episode, like, well, if this gets out, this is going to change the nature of the balance of power in the galaxy. But it's a throwaway because it's a single episode. It's all contained. This is basically taking that kind of story and stretching it out and doing more of an examination of it. Sure. I mean, I, I, 
People are freaked out, like, well, why don't they have the mushroom drive forever? Nothing in Star Trek lasts between episodes, you know, calm yeah, down. Yeah, I, I guess my issue with it is, like, I, I don't... If we look at, like, the arc of Discovery Season 1 on paper, like, if we look at just the arc of it, I'm actually not against it. Right. You know, we have this Klingon Civil War, uh, and spoilers for Discovery, but we have this Klingon Civil War, and then we also have this, like, rogue captain who... Uh, something maybe off with, who ends up being from the Mirror Universe, <laughs> and, like... We have to kind of, you know, learn things from the mirror universe in order to defeat the Klingons. Yeah, yeah, On yeah, paper, yeah. that all sounds great to me. It, they did, but it the execution of it is fucking terrible. Yeah, it's, it's just like Star Trek. It's, yeah, no, it's, no, no. I mean, like, both episodes that we watched for Deep Space Nine this week were executed pretty damn well, you know? Yeah, this, this shit week. It's like way, way out there. Yes, this week. I mean, I think a majority of the episodes we've watched for, for season one of Deep Space Nine have been executed pretty damn well. Uh, like, yeah, but there, we're, there's a couple. We're of, now at like the equivalent or close to the equivalent of what Discovery has done so far. People yeah, are Deep judging. Space Dis- Nine is blowing Discovery out of the water already. <laughs> <laughs> I love how much we dis- we will never be able to agree about this. Like it's great. We'll I love see. it. You'll see. I, I mean, we might agree that season two of Discovery is good. It's not often people come to start to loathe dis- Star Trek that they previously liked. Usually, the arc of history bends in the other direction. That's super true. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. And I, I recognize that I hated Into Darkness the first time I saw it, and I kind of liked it the second time. Yeah. But they still they they cure death in that movie. It's stupid. <laughs> uh, uh, the spore drive was destroying the universe. Why would they want that to be used more? Yeah. See that Doug's right that they can write the spore drive out, and that's not something that I. I did kind of, like, dislike the fact that they brought that in, the whole mycelial network that is never mentioned again, because it seems like such a big deal that it would come up. But if we can put that down, and I can, like, reasonably put that down, mm-hmm. like, I can reasonably put down the fact that the Klingons look and act totally different. The because... fact they don't talk about Q every episode blows my mind. <laughs> yeah, totally. Because that would just completely change hey, all of society. Yeah, so I can put those things down and kind of deal with them. But what I can't put down is, like, the the... The, the horrible storyline with Ash Tyler, where they kind of, it's like we're going to talk about PTSD. No, nope, we're not. You know, we're going to talk about someone being abused and tortured. No, nope, we're not. Mm-hmm. You know, we're we're just going to bring up these things that mm-hmm. seem like what Star Trek should talk about in 2018, mm-hmm. and then not talk about them and like not develop them at all, and in fact, kind of like go the opposite direction and just completely muddy everything and yes. make it pointless. Mm-hmm. And then we're gonna like finally show some uh, representation of gay characters, mm-hmm. and then we're gonna kill the minority in the gay character, like minority gay character off. Like, mm-hmm. come on! I mean, it. They, I, they I completely. Agree. They completely undid everything that I liked about the show and all of it was in the premise like the premise was great Mm -hmm. and they completely undid all of it and you end up with something that is convoluted uh, for me unenjoyable kind of like dumb to the point of being uninteresting and um, and I didn't care about any of the characters that were left you have a big hill to climb out of I do I think I can do it though like I loved Calypso I firmly believe that it, it doesn't commit sins that weren't committed by all other Star Treks it fixes some things, but it also doesn't fix other things. For me, I think that the fact that it squarely within it, it would like set itself up to try to to fix the sins of Star Trek past. Sure, so did and so the did writers TNG. talked about that. So did TNG, but TNG pulled it off, and this show mm-hmm. absolutely did not. I so. would point you to several episodes in TNG's history that that are far more of a garbage fire than people think. Uh, Discovery is, which yeah. hasn't even finished its run, you know, so I, I TNG can think of at least like has a handful. I can think of, off the top of my head, at least 
like three episodes of TNG that were, that are terrible garbage fires. That, right. Like the one where Beverly fucks a ghost. Uh, the one where they go to the planet of the African culture, <laughs> yes. and it's so racist and awful. Yep. Code of Honor. Code of Honor. Um, Sub Rosa is the other one. Masks <laughs> where yes. Data has like all those people in his, his body. His Ciroc. I am Ciroc moment. <laughs> no, Kirok. I am, I was doing my own meme. I am Kirok. <laughs> Wait, what? Though it's that in a <laughs> original series when uh, Kirk is possessed by what they've made out to be like a Native American. Oh, tribe. Right, 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 right. Oh yeah, I am Ciroc. The okay. I was laughing at that because I was making the meme, and now I, right. now it's all back together Kirok, in my mind. Right. His I'm a little stone. Data with okay. a mask is the Kirok moment yes. for him. Yeah, but the space Irish. But all of those episodes don't don't promise something that they are not only not delivering, but don't seem to know how to deliver. Mm-hmm. And and Discovery promises things it doesn't understand and mm-hmm. cannot deliver. Mm-hmm. And I really think that that was an issue with the writing. And I'm so glad those writers are gone. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's only going to get better. I've... Yeah, for sure. And watching After Trek and hearing them talk about the show and like their kind of like almost pompous assessment of like what they had created being so good and valuable and powerful and I'm like come on it made it it made me hate the show more like oh, listening yeah. to those writers talk about it because mm-hmm. they're just like what we're doing with the Klingons like you may not be with us yet but you're gonna get it by the end like we're, we're gonna go deep and we have this episode with Saru coming up that's like so emotionally powerful and everyone on set cried and then like we come to find out on the After Trek episode that all the episodes that the actors loved were cut out like they cut they, they're like yeah I mean there was some stuff that I really liked from the script that didn't make it into the final episode right. it's like yeah no you're saying that because you've watched this and you realize it's bad and like it doesn't make sense anymore I don't know we shouldn't talk about Discovery <laughs> I hate hearing people talk about Star Trek so I would never watch After Trek <laughs> I'd rather watch people talk about Star Trek that have no idea what they're talking about. Well, you can't, I mean... Like like us. After you know? Trek is is propaganda. It's CBS yeah. Star Trek propaganda. It is. There's no reason to, to watch it now. Yeah. Watch all of Star Trek, and then if you're really interested in having... I mean, we're getting to the point where we're going to have DVD commentary while the episode is happening, and then the After Trek with its commentary. Like, oh, my God. Calm down. Just watch the show. Right. Don't You don't need to, you know... Listen to them. Yeah. Learn enough so you can argue with people online about it, and that's all you need to do. Yeah. Like, Matt Myra, the host of that show, hosts one of my favorite podcasts, Star Trek mm. The Next Conversation. And what's great about it is that, he, like, they are just honest about how they feel about episodes. Like, right. if they like it, they like it. If they don't, they don't. And on this show, he has to like everything. Like, that's his job. Right. And I don't think that he's pulling it off, <laughs> in my opinion. Like, they need I, me, because I, I, I love it. <laughs> I can. I, I feel like paid to love it. I I feel like I can tell that maybe he doesn't love it as much as he pretends to love it, um, and I think maybe that's where the disconnect is with him hosting that show because I've heard a lot of flack. He got a lot of flack for yeah. his hosting of it. There's too. I mean, I don't. This is just turning into old man conversation, but uh, the the influence of the audience as a show is happening, I think, can have a negative effect on the people producing the show, and this is that yeah. kind of thing where. Uh, previous Star Treks didn't have this immediate sort of feedback and backlash. You know, you just got to do the show, wait for it to come out, and then have it be judged in a, in a longer term. But Right. I think getting... I mean, as a streamer, I definitely understand how getting instant feedback for what you're doing can shape how you're doing it. Yeah. Like, absolutely. I mean, I, streaming is all about that. It's like, if you guys are having fun, we keep doing it. If, if people aren't showing up and we're not having fun, we stop. Unless it's this show, in which case I'm going to do it no matter <laughs> what. <laughs> Holy shit, Amanda just pledged a dollar on Patreon. Amanda, thank you so much. Boom. Holy crap. 
I didn't see that notification pop up or hear the song, but I just saw the the, the thing. Mm. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, Amanda, we're doing the private stream. Well, you were already coming because you're a mod, but uh, private stream is happening because we had a lot of mods and, and sponsors and people here right now. It's happening on Sunday at 2 p.m. Ooh, is that the sexy after dark private stream? <laughs> it's just me stripping. That's all it is. <laughs> I play Splatoon and naked. How does private stream just not sound positively mucky? It, it really does. <laughs> Oh, the thank you video. Yeah, it's... <laughs> I forgot about that. It's me, like, dancing with two synthesizers and, like, <laughs> and singing a song. Nice. Uh, anyway. The Nagus. The Nagus. Wow, we got so sidetracked. I, yeah. It's my fault. I do really love pushing you into talking about Discovery. We have to cover Discovery at some point. Like, well, you kinda, and I... We kind of already are. We gotta do it episode by episode, though, because I need <laughs> oh, to... Yeah. I need you to know why I hate it. Like, I, I, I need you to know... <laughs> <laughs> like all we'll, the specific things. We'll do that. We'll do that next. We'll jump around like uh, itinerant time travelers. Yeah, we, the Star Trek continuum. We could talk about doing that between seasons of <laughs> of Deep Space Nine. Yeah, yeah. The Nagus. Yeah, it's not Doug Space Nine if it's not sidetracked. Totally. <laughs> you have a question. Can you watch a private stream? So the private streams are for uh, the channel members. If you hit that join button and you have like the special. Things you would love the, the emotes streams. <laughs> they can't I see massage him. See your head. See down here. There you go. I there you go. You're doing it now. Massage uh, your Twitch head Prime subs or any Twitch streams. subs at all. Patreon subscribers and yeah, like Amanda said, just like, like one dollar a month for Patreon gets you in there. Hey, Singable Unicorn, what's up? You're a Phil. You're a Phil. I never knew that. <laughs> it's so weird, like finding out people's names that I've known in chat for like over a year, as like. Sexy ninja or something like oh, that. Oh, I see. You know? <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah, but you know, how could you believe him? Like, I could wander in here and go, "Hi, I'm also sinkable unicorn." Yeah. Yo, super hamster. What's up, dude? Okay, so let's get back to the negatives because I, you have kindled this fire of anger in the pit <laughs> of my soul towards discovery. Because and let's take a break. <laughs> <laughs> because like Star Trek is supposed to be about something, right? Yes. But I gotta say, bring it back to the negatives. Mm -hmm. I struggled to figure out what this episode was about. Capitalism. Except for the subplot between Jake and Nog, where Jake is teaching Nog uh, how to read. Yeah, that's fair. Yep. Like I love that plot. That was cute. It was sweet. It was very heartfelt. It was the interest. The, the parental vice stuff was interesting because I liked Cisco's really kind of like mm, fuck you attitude to Miles. Like call me when your kid's fourteen. This fuck you attitude to Miles. Yeah. You mean my dog? <laughs> Making a dumb joke, I'm sorry. Yeah. It's a good dumb joke. Yeah, he says, your daughter's three. Yeah. Imagine when she's 14. Yeah. It's like, and he's all your daughter is three. <laughs> but but she was born a year and a half ago on the episode Disaster of TNG. <laughs> I, isn't that weird? No, it's Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, Time totally. is fucked. It, I can, I can prove demonstrably that time is fucky in the Star Trek universe because of Ed Begley Jr. Ed Begley Jr., ruined the time the fabric the very fabric of time in Star Trek and wait, that's wait, wait, why wait. don't tell me in which episode let me think for a second sure Ed Begley Jr. I this know. is this is why kids age several years for no reason it's why there's all these holes in space time and there's it's like, like uh, Alexander comes back two years after he was conceived and he's like seven <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but supposedly Klingons can like age faster yeah or time is just what? fundamentally broken what episode of Star Trek was Ed Begley Jr. in I can't remember an exercise for the viewers readers members okay tell me you? I lied tell me mm -mm. oh chat, no we'll, we'll, we'll let chat figure it out it's making oh my god super hamster no you broke it 
He broke it. It makes me wonder what language he's teaching Nog to read in. We know Nog doesn't speak English. <laughs> Shit, yeah, the Universal Translator. What fucking language is he teaching him to read with? He's teaching him to read English. Nog doesn't ah. need to speak English with a Universal Translator to not know how to read English and learn to read English. Because Jake will show him written English, and then Nog will try to say it in English. Ugh. Okay. So he's learning to read English, but he's pronouncing it all in Ferengi. No, he's pronouncing it in English. He's learning to speak English natively without a universal translator. I think that he is learning to read... Oh, poor Miles is coughing. Um, I think that he's learning to read based off of the meaning of the word, and then in his mind he's thinking it in, Fer- in Ferengi, but when he speaks it out loud it comes out in English because of the universal translator for us. Nah, nope, too complicated. <laughs> Made it too complicated. Turn off the universal translator. I'm going to teach you how to read English. Done and done. They fucked up Naomi Wildman's Asian Voyager. Yeah. Well, yep. yeah, she's also a victim of time stuff. Wasn't Ed a crazy Vulcan on Enterprise? No. Hey, Jason. No, that's not it. Uh, if he was, it's still not who I'm thinking of. I can almost see him. Picture. It, it's the dude The dude with... The uh, 90s. It's the uh, Sitwell. 90s. Sitwell from uh, Jr. Arrested Development. Ed Bigley Jr. In the 90s. In the 90s. Can you tell me what series it was on? Voyager. Oh, fuck. And yes, I can. Is that the one where... Boom, Amanda. Future's End. Yeah, he's the one that there's like a time ship and it's he starts a technology company, Chronoworks... And uh, oh, that is, he's using future technology to make oh, his company. Oh, with Sarah Silverman, right? And then they yes, that's it. Basically, they say like, oh, because of this is how we got to space. This company, we can't, you know, have yeah. this company get ruined. So all of the things that we, the Federation, uses to explore space is based on this stolen time technology. Yes. That's just... They're just fucking... They warp time too much in that one. Okay. Okay. No, you're right. So, okay. So if time is fucked, children age at different rates than they should. Yes. And it all makes sense. And the mycelial network. (laughs) We got it. I got you distracted again. We brought brought the Star Trek magic mushroom rating down (laughs) just now. Like, across the board. Yes. Those are easily explained things. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. um, So, yeah. But I love... Okay. All logic you aside, love, you love them teaching. I love Jake teaching Nod to read. Yeah, that's very sweet. Yeah, that that scene is so touching. Like Cisco is having these issues with Nog uh, being Jake's friend, and he just can't get over it. But then he he secretly finds his son teaching another boy to read, and yeah. it's just like the sweetest thing you've ever seen in your goddamn life. And what they're showing you is that pre <laughs> no pre Beetle Snuff no 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 new head cannon. Uh, Beetle Snuff uh, uh, affected Rom as a terrible he's a father, terrible father. <laughs> and he's just being a, not abusive, maybe emotionally, definitely not physically, because Rom's a sweetheart, uh, even though he did try to kill his brother. Uh, high on Beetle Snuff, but yeah, he's created, he's turned Nog into this rebellious asshole, and this shows that Nog is generally a good kid, you know, yeah, uh, given the right environment. So once his father gets off Beetle Snuff, uh, Rom really blossoms. I think that I think that. Uh, you mean Nog really blossomed? Nog really blossomed. I think Rom was actually drinking, and <laughs> I think I think that he has multiple. I think because when we see him he's first in the season, he's like really angry, yeah, and like 
really assertive in a way that we don't come to see him later. I think that that's drunk rum. Drunk I think rum. that that's functional alcoholic <laughs> rum. And rum I think, has a lot of problems. And then I think that he tries to quit that by getting on Beatles Gets stuff. Gets on Beatles stuff, And right. then his personality breaks just like overnight. <laughs> and he turns into this like bumbling fool. <laughs> But then as his brain chemistry evens out later on, he becomes a better father. But at this point, he's yeah, a terrible he's father. He's a terrible father. Yeah. <laughs> Time is fucked in space, magic, mushrooms, and wizards. Yeah, that's yeah. basically the problem. Q the is a wizard. Of... Right. Tremaine. Yeah. Trelane is a wizard. Trelane is a wizard. Hey, Patrick. What's up, dude? Uh, so, yeah, that I feel like Nikilum. to me... <laughs> Nikilum, yes! Nikilum! That episode rocks, man. <laughs> Where Silence says least. Do you like that episode? Yeah. Oh, here. Uh, Keep distracting. Uh, Did you make chat. a Nagilum yeah. meme? <laughs> yes, show it to me. <laughs> Rom's Ark in DS9 is awesome. Bar idiot to lead another Fringy Lance. I know. Slight spoilers there. I shouldn't have read that out loud, but <laughs> okay. um, I totally agree. I, I I feel like if we could have started Rom's Ark in this episode and I choose to believe that it does, <laughs> it makes a lot more sense. Uh, but See, yeah, I really like it. One of the keys to enjoying Star Trek is ignoring things that you don't like. That's true. So. It's true. It's true. <laughs> like, you can't. I mean, Star Wars is the same way at this point. You have to like ignore all three prequels if you want to even have a chance at ignoring any movies, or or find the way into them. You know what I mean? Yeah, find your way into the prequels. Well, just like, like, like with find canon. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that yeah, would be yeah, yeah. fun, dude. Someday we should like, we should. You know, what would be a fun stream is if we just like sat down and tried to and watched the Fixing. Phantom Menace and just tried to make it enjoyable. <laughs> We're just trying to fix other series. Spoilers. Well, it, just if anyone is like watching the show with us, you know, like if anyone has never seen Deep Space Nine, who's watching the show with us as we talk about it? Oh my god, let me see. <laughs> it's perfect. It's per- it's just like it's just everything we've been talking about. It's a picture of Nagilam's face, and it says Hava Nagilam. Mm, right. And I gave him a little yamaka, and then oh, there's uh, a yamaka. Let me see. I gave him a nom- yamaka and curls. Oh my god, it's. But I tried to do. It's, I tried to make that like subtle. It's like offensive and wonderful, and I love it. I love it. <laughs> well, it's you know. We should headcanon the shit out of that. Totally. <laughs> That's what we do here. We just providing headcanon for you to enjoy all episodes of Deep Space Nine and none of Discovery. <laughs> My goal is to make sure that no one else enjoys Discovery because it is garbage. <laughs> yeah, Patrick, I did hear that. It's very sad. The SpongeBob creator died. Oh very yeah. So yeah, I, to me, like the the arc in this episode that is like so Star Trek is Jake teaching Nog to read. Yeah, like, it's just so sweet. But then the other arc that we have is like Grand Negus Zek coming to the station, faking his own death <laughs> to test his son right. to see if his son is ready to become Negus. He's not Spoiler by alert. making Quark think that he's Negus right. for a couple of days, and it really goes to Quark's head for a couple of days. Right. <laughs> but then his brother Rom and the Negus's son. Uh, Z- uh, Grax? Ooh, Grawl? Grawl, maybe. They both try to kill Ooh. Quark to take to, to become Nagus. Like, that's the other plot of this story. <laughs> and that plot makes so little sense, because if he wanted to test his son, right. why is the Grand Nagus mad that his son tried to kill Quark? Because he wants Quark to, or someone else to be the Grand Nagus, and his son to see the opportunity is to run the bar. That being Grand Nagus in right. the Alpha in the Gamma Quadrant isn't where the 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 profit lies. Yeah, uh, for me that's which a also little... doesn't make sense because it seems like right. it also seems like the Grand Nagus has all this power and also no power. 
It's a very strange... Uh, uh-huh. And also, the Federation clearly does not give a fuck that the living embodiment of the Holy Asheker on on uh, on the Prime Material Plane is at Deep Space Nine, and no one is there to meet him. Like, there's no dignitaries, yeah. there's no... I didn't think about he's that. He's treated like an absolute but nobody. He, but he's dressed as the Emperor from Star Wars, yeah. so maybe they don't know who he is. <laughs> I actually have a new theory that... That Grand Nagus Zek is the Emperor of Star Wars. <laughs> because remember earlier on in the season when they were like going to go stop at uh, the Alderaan system? We know, it's right. been proven already that they're in the same universe. And he shows up wearing the dude's clothes. Maybe it's the same guy. Because if you ignore the prequels, which you should, we've never seen right. the Emperor's ears. <laughs> they're very similar otherwise, you know? I think it's the same dude. He's spending all that time the Death Star got all of its funding. He's just embezzling it from the Ferengi. I love his laugh, by the way. (laughs) It's so good. Yeah, so but (laughs) Wallace Shawn is Zach is is like brilliant casting. Oh, you know who I liked uh, better though. Exactly, exactly, Talkie. They do look like each other. That's the thing. They do look like each other. I like the one of the Ferengis that came in the 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 muscle. Oh, Lee Ehrenberg. Dude. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he played the the pre- Grand Nagus. Yes, yeah, yeah. yes, yes. That guy's so good. He played um, one of the pirates of Pirates of the Caribbean. The guy who's always like, uh, "Hello, puppet." He, he played that guy. Okay. And he's on Star Trek a lot. He's yeah, he's, he's great character. I mean, the oh, Ferengis. So good. They just pepper in a bunch of character actors and let them am it up. Yeah, and it's perfect. That his Ferengi character is definitely nominated for best performance in this episode because yeah. he like nails it. Um, <laughs> But yeah, Wallace Shawn's got to be in there too. Oh, it's, that's t- yeah, I've been debating that in my head all morning. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I have not come to a solution yet. Oh, Miles is coughing so much. This one's interesting because there's well, we did talk a little about Discovery, but uh, I, like normally we do this deep dive into the plot, but I don't. It's what I loved and didn't love about this, where it was, it just was like nothing. There was, there's yeah, there's like these things that have to happen. Um, uh, but it's yeah. not like a compelling. It's not like it's more oh, like a character study. It's a character study. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's like a play, but sort of like a loosey goosey play. Yeah, and I think that's why I like it so much. Is because I love Star Trek when people just sit down and talk to each other. I just mm. find that so interesting. And yeah. this like totally nails that. I mean, we learn so much about the Frankie culture. We learn so much about Jake and his dad and and Nog and Rom and Quark and uh, it's just. I, it just feels really well written to me and feels really cohesive as far as characters are concerned but yeah the plot doesn't quite make sense because it it, it doesn't make sense to me that that Zek would be testing his son in this way right because right, right. Zek's like when he explains it at the end he's like yeah you should have seen the prophet was in the bar and you quietly gain power from the shadows and then you take over obviously like his right. plan has like five different tiers of like <laughs> steps and is so complicated he's like obviously this is what you should have done you're not ready to be Negus I'm like is that what it takes to be ready to be Negus is like to read your goddamn mind and know exactly what you'd have done in this situation so I think the way you have to take it is you have to take it that Zek is just a maniac. He's just an addle-minded <laughs> horn dog of yeah, a ruler. I think that that works, like, honestly. Like the, the you should go. What? That was the plan. It should make no sense. Yeah, and we have. It has now been explicitly, explicitly made explicit <laughs> that the Hollow Suites are covered in in space jizz. <laughs> They're just like 
covered in se- the semen of species from all over the Gamma and <laughs> Alpha Quadrants. Uh, no, because these hollow suites have auto-clean mechanisms that can guarantee that no semen has left a uh, hermetically sealed force field bubble uh, level 10 decontamination Yeah. Beam. Yeah, I mean, they could run a beam through there to just dematerialize everything that's not supposed to be there, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. And I hope that they do, because otherwise, there's little bits of Grand Negazek all over the place. Because <laughs> they, like, go above and beyond to make it clear that he is fucking holograms, you know? Like, they go... <laughs> they, they really They do. go out of their way to make sure that you know that this old Ferengi dude is fucking holograms. Multiple times. He spent a lot of time at it. Are we saying Nagus or naked? <laughs> <laughs> the Grand Naked. That sounds different. The Grand Naked. Yeah. <laughs> the Grand Nagus Naked coming on the walls in the Hollow Suite because that's what's happening. Star Trek. <laughs> star, it star, makes star, lives star, of star. sense. <laughs> so think about that: is that the people that were like super into TNG that despised Deep Space Nine when it came out? This is the kind of episode that is going to make them flip their lid. You know, like it's all about this gross asshole. F- jizzing into the holodecks. Yeah. You've got characters that are murdering each other that are like series regulars, you know? Like, yeah. that's not Star Trek. It's not, and that's why I like but it so it much. But it became Star Trek. I like it because you also have Jake teaching Nog to read. It's like, it's like Starfleet is here in a, in a situation that is not Star Trek. Mm-hmm. You know, Starfleet is here to kind of see if the, if the Star Trek ideals can work right. in a Star Wars world. Or just like a horny <laughs> capitalist American world. Spaceball, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I love that premise. I mean, I, I feel like episodes like this that kind of focus on that and show you how your main characters are gross and despicable and different from what you'd right. expect them to be yeah. work really well. And I think that the next episode does that also with Odo. Uh, yeah, we'll that's talk interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah, Super Hamster says, you know those folks in the Enterprise were jizzing in the holodeck. Yeah. <laughs> Barkley is, is totally... Totally had sex with holodeck DNA. Uh, so did Picard and uh, Riker. Like they they make that explicit in season one of TNG. Or no, not explicit. They hint at it very strongly. Oh, with minuet, are, minuet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> it's gross. Um, and yeah, Tuvok at one point explicitly had sex with a hologram to survive right, to pod cal- far. To calm down. Wasn't a hologram of his wife? Probably Tuvok doesn't strike me as somebody who would, even in his fantasy world, derogate yeah. from his marriage. But we, this this is a good time to talk about this. The holodex. Would you have hol- holosex? W- would you create? Would you create uh, an ideal partner in the holodeck to have sex with if holodex existed? You like your own version of an ideal partner for you. I don't know because there's something about the uh, essence of sentience that Star Trek is very vague on when it comes to the holodeck. Right. Like it, basically, they present data as like, look at this artificial intelligence that is a mystery to us. And then later on, you find out like if you just leave a computer on too long, it can become sentient. Right. Or if you ask a computer to make a sentient computer, it will just do it for you. Right. So that part is odd to me, and I would want to have that sorted out in my mind before I was going to have sex with uh, something. That's such a good answer. Yeah. That's a really good answer. Amanda it, says if I was single, maybe. <laughs> you hit an uncanny valley. The ultimate sex toy, yeah. Right, so there's a point where the, where sex toy hits the uncanny valley before it becomes like, oh, this is a sentient person and issues of consent are involved. So 
I don't want to get so close to that line that I don't understand it, and I can yeah. just jerk off and watch hollow porn in the meantime. You know, that's a good compromise. Uh, <laughs> John says the Doctor on Voyager is sentient. Yeah, and that's yeah. the example of like you leave you leave a hologram on too long, it becomes sentient. It's going to happen in this show, Wait, to Big like Fontaine. L- it's going to be wonderful. When lightning it struck the Voyager computers right. and turned it sentient. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, and that Fontaine, is the rule. Like you leave a hologram on too long, it becomes sentient. We've seen it happen twice. Yeah, and Fontaine, they just somebody just makes him. Just some dude is like, oh, I just because I think he's one guy who's like. You know what? If you just ask a computer to make a sentient computer, it will. <laughs> yeah. So it's like the hologram knowing that it's a hologram is the first step in, into becoming self-aware and yeah. to becoming sentient. I think that when the hologram doesn't know that, it it stays unaware. Mm. It seems mm-hmm. like we saw it with Moriarty, we saw it with the Doctor, and we right. saw it with Vic Fontaine. They where... have it with the, the thug guy in in one of the early ones. Oh maybe yeah, Dixon, where he walks right out at the, the end. He walks out into the hallway. Yeah, and is there and is slowly dissolving. Is like what is what's this? What's going on? Yeah, and then right at the end of that episode, Dixon Hill's partner is realizing that he's not real, and you can see like yeah. the spark of sentience yeah. in his eyes. And they're just like, like oh, I'll see you later. Yeah, he's like about to become a sentient. Pause, pause program. <laughs> yeah, computer and program. Oh, fuck! No. Yeah, so that's that's such a good answer, because like, I, I have thought about this before, and m- my immediate response is like, of course I'd fuck a hologram. I'll fuck anything! But, like, like, uh, like uh, speaking as my teenage self, like, when I was a virgin, I, I think that I would have wanted to fuck a hologram to kind of gain some confidence, right. you know, to, to have sex with a real person for the first time. But, but what you're saying, I think, is too real. I think that when you... I think that when you are intimate with, uh, with a with an illusion, that illusion takes on some of your soul and becomes real in a way. Mm. You know, even if it's just real to you. And I think that when you are intimate with an illusion, the illusion could possibly, in this situation, become a little bit more self-aware on its own. Right. I think there's something about intimacy that's important and valuable and and like powerful that when used carelessly has negative results mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. If I'm a little afraid I would be a little afraid to sleep to have sex with a hologram because like because you're right like what if something happens there that kind of like what if you what if by sleeping with this hologram you're kind of pushing it towards self-awareness and then you you would owe something yeah child support thing. for the litter of hollow babies <laughs> um I don't know that's really interesting. <laughs> Andy's calling does she want to weigh in on this <laughs> Hollow babies. Andy, go. Are you watching? Do you want to weigh in on this situation? Oh, hello? Hi. Hello. First time, long time. Oh, hello. Oh, my God. What the? Is this, is this the show? Yes. Oh, you're not watching. I was, ho- I was hoping you were watching us talk about whether or not we'd have what? sex with holograms, and you were calling in, but I guess oh. not. Andy in Minneapolis, you're on with Doug Space Nine. Go ahead with your question, Andy. <laughs> well, I'd love to talk about that. I literally just got out of rehearsal. That's the only reason I'm not but I'm running home now to, to tune in. Well, okay, important question. If you could have sex okay. with a hologram, would you? Do you mean just like in general or like... Not tonight, no. Like, like if you were a horny what? teenager looking and you were a virgin and it was an oh, option... absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like, I, I don't even think I... I mean, this... I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about I don't think I'd be mad if it was something we talked about if you, like, had sex with a hologram. <laughs> oh, well, then that changes everything. You know? <laughs> <This> is... <laughs> like, I think you 
know, we would like talk about it, but I'd kind of be like, if it was like exciting for you and it was like, you know, I'd be like, all right, I mean, why not? Okay, well, hold on. Doug, Jesse just got a hologram hall pass. (laughs) Doug just talked about, um, Doug just talked about the fact that in Star Trek, when you leave programs on too long, they tend to become self-aware. So, and we were talking about like, if you have sex with a hologram, are you like imbibing it with life somehow? And and if you have a relationship that you build, like think about Blade Runner twenty forty nine, where, um, where what's his name had that relationship with that fake woman who kind of became more than her programming. Like what oh, if man. what if like through being intimate with this thing, you kind of give it life somehow? Well, he that is where the la- well okay, I think that's where the well okay. There's two contexts because in the context of what we were just talking about, like. I had the whole past scenario. I think I would only be cool with it if it was like you living out a fantasy. I don't know if I'd love you having like a hologram girlfriend. Right. No sleepovers. Like if you were like, hey, I want to do this thing, I'd be like, sure. But oh, I'm sorry. But if um, if uh, I don't know if it was like a full blood relationship, emotional connection with somebody who felt real, then. Then I don't think it would actually seem that different to me, right? Than a person you than know? cheating, yeah. But okay, so here's yeah. the answer: you can only sleep with any individual hologram once. <laughs> there you go. Oh, right. That won't like, become self-aware. You know, on a limited time basis, I yeah. would say, in some way, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think. Like, it, I think, unfortunately, when it becomes, I think it's the line for me is when it stops being about you and becomes about the two of you. Oh, you wow. Know? Even though the hologram is not real, Jesse's feelings are. You're right, and like the dynamic of the two of them is real, as opposed to like, oh, this is something I want to experience because I want to experience, it. and then all of a sudden you're considering like the hologram side of their feelings and their experience. Right. I mean, right. that's where the line is in my mind. And I don't know if I could. I don't know if I could like. I don't know, because I have feelings about my Legend of Zelda game file, you know? Like, I don't think that I'd be able to to have that line. This is taking a weird turn. Yeah. <laughs> this is interesting to me. It may be, but you've spent a lot of time with that. You know, like, if it was just a one-time program, you know? Or, like, what if it was, like, a hologram version of a celebrity you had a crush on or something, you know? What if I could... Or if I could sleep with, like, five of you at the same time. That'd be rad. <laughs> Everyone knows Alien... Uh, Jesse's gonna be making Alien... Uh, 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 holograms to have sex with. That's oh yeah, to Paul. It's definitely to Paul from Enterprise. <laughs> but then that's tough too because what if you create a hologram version of somebody without their consent? Uh huh. Well, I would, I would assume that you'd be there too. <laughs> they get into that later. Well, yeah, in- but I'm, I'm, yeah, no, but I'm talking about a version where it's like you create a hologram version of Jennifer Lopez or something, and you're like for oh. the purpose of in your mind are having sex with Jennifer Lopez like how does she feel about that right yeah that's creepy they, how does Jolene Blaylock feel that I'm having sex with hol- holographic to Paul not good probably right, not good right. they, they do right. that with like, Kira I don't know. they just yeah. that with Kira in Deep Space Nine that, yeah I, I feel like it's it's too much of a bag of worms to open you know I feel like it's yeah, not yeah it's tough yeah but I think it would be like open relationships like people would have to make their own rules about it and like yeah. We're, seeing, we're seeing what you that know? negotiation would look like right now. Well, you know what will happen is <laughs> is like VR porn, and that's like a step closer. But yeah. if you if you get to a holodeck, I think that you would have holodeck porn, which is like programs of 
porn stars that are des- built to have sex with you on the holodeck. Like, it, you have sex with porn stars like Jenna Jameson it or someone, It like would be like, it's yeah, talking yeah, sex dolls right. is what it's going to be like. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's such an interesting... And then, like, and then there's the topic you were talking about, like, for what about those people? Like, I think it could have an effect on sex crimes in a positive way, though. Like, for people that aren't getting laid... Yeah. And, and want to be getting laid and maybe are aggressive or whatever, like... Not that I think people should be living out... Oh, wow, this is really easy, but, like... You know, I think that if they could... Not, like, people... Other than... Why? Like, people living out, you know, racy in the season. Like, I don't know. But, like... I, I don't know. I, I do think there are... There's that, like, aggression that some people have that's unfortunate. Like, suppose you were about to experience Pond Far and you were going to be a danger to your crew. Right. You would need to... Right. To, to get it out. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, I don't know. Oh my god, what about, like, what about, like, having, right, like, a, what about a, like, a hologram threesome? Like, you and another real person and then a fake person. Yeah. Like, that's I'm kind in. of interesting. What that about somebody great. on subspace <laughs> remoting in to control the hologram? Oh, yeah. Like, Andy's in New York right now. Like, Andy, what if we could meet in VR yeah. and have, like, right. VR sex? Oh, you will soon. Wow. I mean, I'm down. I think that sounds great. That will happen. Yeah. That's in that's in your <laughs> lifetime. Yeah. I, yeah, this is the whole can of worms that our, I think our culture will have to wrestle with in our lifetimes. In, yeah, in a, in a way. Right. Like, not exactly holodecks, but with, like, the whole VR yeah. stuff. If That's anyone sees true. the camera shaking, it's because Doug is oh. setting up a, a little diorama of action, action figures, figures over here, which I really think you should post on our Instagram. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm just getting to the elevator, so I'm going to lose you guys, but I will, I will tune in via the chat. Okay, awesome. We'll see you there. Thank you for okay, calling yeah. in accidentally. Of course. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye. Okay, wow. So, yeah. Zek is fucking some holograms. That's basically the whole long story short. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's Jordi and Picard. What's up, James? The ultimate. Yeah, I feel like I missed a lot of chat. Oh yeah, Hollow Three Way. Does she know they can become self-aware? <laughs> yeah, you got to make sure your girlfriend knows that. <laughs> a talkie would take the hologram of Troy that Barkley made. Yeah, I mean, if a hologram is like. Voyager is, is, gets, is it the Troy that Barkley had sex with? Vo- like, Voyager starts to try to address some of these issues around sentience and holograms. Good to see you, James. Welcome, dude. Yeah, they do with, with the Doctor. And I, I love that stuff. I think that it's super interesting. It's really funny to watch the Data stuff now where they're like, is Data a thing or a machine? It's like, oh my god, the fact that they do a whole episode and it's this whole, like, let's have this is redonkulous given the Star Trek universe that it's not 100% uh, 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 settled like they let him oh, go totally. they let him go to his fucking space college yes. and now they're like but maybe not why would they put him in charge they, yeah. they let him on a starship where he gets to be the acting captain all the time that is so true and that, that episode Measure of a Man it's a great episode but the premise is flawed because the idea that he could even be considered for a second that Data was the property of Starfleet and then if, okay, goes against everything that Starfleet believes. Like, I, let's just I say, can't believe for a second that they think that. You know? And let's say they're going to. So they're going to have a legal decision. It's so monumental. What they do is they just pick two people who happen to be right there while the decision needs to happen to be the prosecutor and the defendant. 
and the you know the lawyers. They don't bring in space lawyers from other stations. They don't have right. any kind of thing. They're just like, let's figure it out right here in the field with these people. Yeah, it makes mm. very little sense. But it's such a good episode that I forgive it. I mean, yeah. to me, like the point of Star Trek is to tell stories like that. And sometimes they get the wrapping wrong. Like yeah. <laughs> they're trying to tell you a story about something and they put it inside of something that makes no sense. Mm-hmm. But, like but the thing Discovery. inside is what's really important. Yeah, exactly like Discovery. And the thing inside Discovery is like a ball of ash. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, this episode, it's, it's an interesting example of one where that's not the focus like the focus is kind of showing you like these Ferengi are kind of despicable because to me it all wraps up with Quark not being mad that his brother just tried to kill him yeah if anything he's He's like happy I'm proud of you Mm -hmm. like you finally took some initiative you finally tried to grab profit on your own Mm -hmm. even if it meant killing me and I'm proud of you that Rom does truly understand the first rule of acquisition which was uh, never put profit before f- before never, family wasn't that rule six? never put family before profit yeah no it's rule one was it rule one I, I think s- wasn't rule one uh, once you have someone's oh profit, yes you never yes, give yes, it back yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and this right, is the, oh man it. thank you for bringing that up this is this is the debut of the rules of acquisition yeah which I would I think that we should make a chart and check track it when they say like a rule and a number and just see if they yeah. fuck up. I, no, so that you can obviously you can go on that line now and Google it and yeah, find it. That's I, true. Let's just do that. But I do want to do it ourselves as we go through. Okay, and talk let's about do it, it ourselves. <laughs> but I'm just saying, if someone wants the list, it's out there. Yeah, well, we, a, yeah. My understanding is there's a couple mistakes, but there's it's so interesting because this is how you get into canon arguments because the lawyer defending the. Uh, discrepancies would say, yeah, but just because someone says the rule of acquisition X doesn't mean they're right. They could be making a joke that, you know, oh, they could be that's their headcanon. They could okay. be misquoting it. And right. it's not even, I mean, it's just, it's an easy, obvious thing. Yeah. Like, like the, the guy that popped in Phil supposedly claiming to be to be Phil the bendable unicorn yeah. it, it, sinkable unicorn S- sink- yeah. sinkable unicorn we don't know that that could be anyone but we're willing to accept it yeah sinkable unicorn is a name I recognize what if this is an imposter what if right. this Phil person is like I know sinkable unicorn it's right. like I'm gonna fuck up sinkable unicorn's reputation by pretending right. to be him somebody comes I in and they no see idea. Amanda's not here and they just come up with a different name yeah. like oh I'm Amanda by the way mm-hmm. yeah or the rules of acquisition thing would be like me saying you know article 3 of the declaration of independence right. never fuck a hologram when you can fuck a real person <laughs> Like, that's obviously yeah, not yeah. real. And maybe to the Ferengi, it's obviously not real. But we're like, oh, wow, rule of acquisition number three. Right, right, right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I do want to do that. And there was two. They do the first and the sixth, which is... I think, yeah, the, those two, yeah. yeah. So what do you I- think about Rom being... I mean, obviously, Zek's son is the one trying to kill Quark, obviously. But yeah. it, it's kind of a surprise that Rom is also in on it, trying it to kill Quark. gets really, like... <laughs> yeah, he gets really impassioned by it. Yeah, what, what do you think Quark, about that? Quark pushes him, and Rom's been drinking, and you know when Rom gets a good head of Beetlejuice going, uh, <laughs> Beetlejuice. he just gets—he's like a mean, angry drunk who's been bullied by his. I'm going to say younger brother, which makes it worse. Oh, you think Quark is younger? Yeah, that's interesting. I my in my memory, Quark is older, but I love it if he's younger. Yeah, it could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, he's you. just. Uh, He's just the the Ferengi that just wasn't as Ferengi as his little brother. Right, is. right. And so he's yeah. been catching it from all sides. So he tries. He tries to do what he thinks he's supposed to do as a Ferengi, and he's terrible at it. It makes him miserable, and that's why he hits the juice a little too hard. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I actually I really like it. It doesn't track with the with the Rom that we get to know later on in the series. Comrade Rom. Like when you watch the whole series for the first time and come back and rewatch this, you're like, wait, Rom tried to kill Quark? <laughs> what? It just doesn't make sense. 
But I love it. I, I love it as like it's just a way of showing you that family is different in yeah. other places in the galaxy. Like this, the whole episode is just about like this culture is just fucking weird. You yeah, know? that's that's the essence of this, this episode. It's, it's yeah, yeah. I'm still torn about it because it, it's it's weird. Like if I feel the episode is boring, really, but I still do kind of enjoy it. It's like nothing happens. Again, it's a play. It's boring in the way that plays are boring. Like the King's Speech <laughs> is a great movie, but it feels like it takes four years to watch it. It is just yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, I get it. I was I so it. entertained by this episode. It never occurred to me to think that this was boring. It's only when the, it's only when the Ferengis are hamming it up that it was like, oh, this is a delight to see. You know, I like the whole thing. I, I like, I really like the B plot with Jake. Did you see uh, Cisco mentioned taking Jake to see the fire caves? He called yes. them fire caverns. Yes, they're yes. planting this shit early. Like that's yeah. gonna be a I massive feel like thing. That's later just on. like a throwaway, and then later on they use it. But I love to imagine an alternate universe where Jake and Cisco were just possessed by parades this early in. You know, because <laughs> that's like probably yeah. one of the most dangerous places he could take his son. Yeah, and I got I keep thinking about Cisco's anger issues because yeah. it keeps coming up. Like, his anger at his son is palpable, and he keeps, like, slamming walls and shit. Mm-hmm. Did he do that in this episode? I don't I remember. I don't think he but, hit anything. But you can feel his He's anger. frustrated. Yeah, and I feel like he commands out of a place of anger. Yeah. It's interesting. It, it, he seems he seems to be not as good at command as as Picard, for sure. And I think that... It's a different style. I mean... It is a different style. And for me, it's not, it's not preferable. Mm-hmm. So that, that's interesting. I never really thought about that. I always just kind of thought of him as being a great commander, but yeah, I yeah. I think an argument can be made that it's a different style of command that's needed for the location, and that Cisco is suited for that style of command. It, yeah, the, that's not the way they teach it at the academy, is it? Style of command, right? Right. Yeah, that's true. It's more like outlaw. Like, how do you how do you keep control in an outlaw scenario? Right, frontier command. That's yeah. also a Bajoran. Uh, property. It's a Bajoran, right. you know, governmental control. Yeah, and I think that I think that Odo is actually the best at doing that. And I think that Cisco could learn a little bit from Odo because Odo doesn't get angry. He gets like more suspicious. Yeah, but this know? is where, like I said, Odo would lock up literally everybody that walked onto the station if they would let him. You know. Yeah, but we'll talk more about Odo in the next episode for yeah. sure. Like when Odo has to do the right thing, he always does. When Cisco goes off on someone, it's great. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, it's very entertaining, for sure. Sorry, I'm reading. I'm reading chat. Do it. Yeah, Voyager holograms. Yeah, all right. I like. I read it. I don't say anything. I just wanted to see. You what just want to read saying. it. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, we kind of moved on. <laughs> um, yeah. Are there any other? I feel like there's always details in these episodes that I forget that mm-hmm. I always want to point out because they're oh, so interesting. Uh, the Bajoran system has 14 planets. Oh, we learned that here. Good and one. I didn't see that. Bajor is the largest planet, mm. and it has three moons. Oh, when they're in class. That's that's, that's what I wasn't listening. That's what uh, Jake is teaching Nog, or that's not what he's teaching, but that's what they're reading from. How crazy it is! How crazy is it that Chief O'Brien is the substitute teacher? Like the operations operations chief of the entire space station is yeah. teaching this class just because it's his wife's class. It makes There's no other reason he's teaching it. This is also he's a very busy dude. This is a super Star Trek move, and it's a super DS Nine move. There's you'll see it more in the future where it's like, oh, we need to go to this through the wormhole, go to this planet, and do something. Oh no, why don't you go do it? Right? No. Wait, that's the next episode. This one sort of makes sense. It's like you're the sheriff. Why don't you go? 
drag the criminal back to the other planet. I was totally thinking that. No, yeah. have, if they if you assholes want him, come get him. Right, totally. But anyways, or send like a low-ranking security officer. Don't send the chief of security. Uh, vortex into this dangerous Let's vortex. Get into it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah they, this is a Star Trek thing where it's like the the ensemble. They just tend to use them for anything. Right. You know, they could have just as easily had Dax teach. You know, but they for whatever reason have O'Brien do it. And then O'Brien knows that Nog is lying about Vulcans stealing his homework. But then when Jake says it's true, he, he drops it. And it doesn't make sense to me. It does, because it's the boss's son. It's the boss's son. Yeah, I guess that's the only thing that makes sense. And he does tell Cisco later, like, I keep an eye on that <laughs> kid right. is hanging out with. Which is, you the know, Vulcans which is fun. ate my homework. Yeah. Why? Because you lost a pad, and apparently nobody has cloud backup notes in the... <laughs> 24th century? Yeah, Nog and Jake both have giant stacks of pads, Yeah. when in reality they all have all the information they need on them, because we know that is how it will work, because it works that way already. Yeah. But, like, Deep Space Nine was made just before the yeah. iPad. Yeah. And, like, just before, like, cloud saves, and they just couldn't quite imagine yeah. that one pad could have all the info. It's it's a weird, it's weird, weird blind spot. And it's not in Next Generation. Like, in Next Generation, no one ever has more than one pad, yeah. you know? It's just this show, they just walk around with, like, a whole bunch of pads. Yeah, yeah, John says they need a pad for everything you want to read. It's so funny. Like, when Jake is writing later in a pad, he, like, yes. has a stylus. <laughs> and, like, you gotta save that pad, because that's where your that's writings are. <laughs> but, like, it's obvious that you can already access the whole computer system from any console, and it seems obvious to me that you can access the computer system from any pad, but then all of a sudden they, they do this weird but thing. But that said, in the original series... What, it, what does it say? Is it backwards? I can't read the text. It might be blown out. When you have multiple advanced degrees but can only get a job printing emails for the captain. Because <laughs> he's just he's handing, like handing him a piece of paper. Yeah. And yeah. in the old one, they would have these giant blocks with paper in it that they would like... You know, in the in the original series. Because it's like oh. doing stuff on a ship. Sign this thing. Sign in things in and out. There's right. like a... So much paperwork in the original series, which means if you see it three times, that's far too much paperwork for a spaceship. Yeah. Watching the original series completely shatters the Star Trek continuity. It, yeah. it just doesn't work anymore. It's a perfect thing to set you up to appreciate Discovery, because it, it, like, Ugh. blow up your Star Trek expectations, clear the slate, Yeah, be prepared like, to accept anything as Star Trek. Next Generation Forward makes an attempt to maintain a continuity... I feel like that's the least Discovery could have done. You know? Or does it? <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't. No, it doesn't. <laughs> well, should we rate this episode? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forget. I always forget to pull this shit up, so hold on. Let's we, see. We dragged this one out way long. Well, we talked more about fucking holograms than about this episode. And, yeah, fucking holograms and Discovery. Oh, wait. Wrong account. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's pretty much all we ever talk about. <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> People okay. still love us. <laughs> I love doing this because it's like it's like hanging out and talking about Star Trek with more people than I could fit in my room. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. It's so great. Okay. Paste. Boom. Okay, let's see. Season one, episode... Ten. Ten. The Nagus. The Nagus. Okay, so let, we got to give it a rating. Oh, i got to get a poll up, too. I forgot everything today. I was not prepared today. Mm. We were late because of me today. And Vortex. Vortex. How much do you love this spreadsheet? It's pretty sexy. I love it. I'm excited to get to the end of the season. Because we can, like... Start doing some pie charts. We can fucking graph some shit. Graphs.
Okay, and then straw poll. I'm so sorry the camera shakes every time I type. Yeah. Rating, 1 to 10. 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. I missed 6. I'm trying to see if I can shake time. 7, 8, 9. You're trying to, like, uh, get rid uh, of the shake by shaking at the exact time. Torpedoes! <laughs> okay. And then we go back to here. Alright, you guys, here is your poll. We're voting 1 to 10. What do you rate the Nagus? Doug, start with you. Mmm. Pass. No! Let me think about it. Okay, I'll go first. Yeah. Um, the Nagus. I love this episode. I, I feel like it's such a strong episode. It feels to me like so strong that it could have been an episode in later seasons. Sure, yeah. Um, I don't see what you're saying about it being boring. I'm super entertained by it. I love all of the other Ferengi. They all have like really different personalities and... Uh, and really strong performances from everybody. I love the side plot. I almost rolled a tear when Nog was learning to read. Um, it's pretty good. I mean, I honestly like. Wh what would I bring this down for? The things that hold for me the the plot with the Nagus. The Nagus's explanation at the end is not satisfactory. Right. Again, he's he's a loony person. Right. This is why he came up with a bad plan. Like when you look at it, it's that not way, the last Andy. bad plan that Zek. Comes yeah, to the totally. Table with. Welcome, Andy, in the chat instead of on the phone. <laughs> um, I, I feel like I just writing wise, I needed a little bit more as to why Zach was faking his own death sure. and doing this whole thing. Yeah, that kind of fell apart for me, but just a little bit. Um, I I mean, fuck, it's so good. I'm gonna give it an eight point five. Solid. Yeah. What do you think? I think this episode is a six through and through. Wow. But. I'm gonna give it. Oh. I'm gonna give it a seven. Whoa! Because solely because of Wallace Shawn. Ah. Because it's it's and and I guess half for Wallace Shawn and half for just having the balls to go. You know what? Straight up comedy now. You yeah, know, I love I, that, that too. I, I do like that kind of a bold decision. Yeah, Andy, make sure you vote in the straw poll. All right, has everyone voted? We're gonna go check. View results. Okay. We got some fives and some sevens. I, Doug and I are both. Well, Doug, you did seven, right? Well, yeah. Well, I did six, but I was. I, 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 but you bumped it up. I bumped it, so 5.6. Oh, wait, wait, wait. We have an eight also. Nice. Oh, and okay, we got a couple more All votes. Right. They just came in. Okay, let's do the math here. We got okay. some fives, some sevens, and an eight. And the average score is. Wait, how many? Okay. 6.4. 6.4, nice. Alright. I think you're all way low, but what are you gonna do? Whoever voted an 8, I think that was Andy, because she's right. She dragged it, dragged it out. Well, that's fair. Okay, and then let's... Nominations for... Uh, what's next? Best... Uh, character? Favorite character, yeah. Favorite yeah. character in this episode. So, Quark... Oh, you're doing the thing there. Quark, Rom, Zek, Nog, Nog. Zek... Jake. Jake. Cisco. He's got some stuff Cisco. going on, some plot. What about uh, Lee Ehrenberg's commanding Ferengi? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> beef, the beefy Ferengi. A beefy Ferengi, that's better. <laughs> and then uh, Zek Jr. Zek Jr. I think that's good. That's a pretty good Anyone list. else nominated for favorite character? Jake. Okay, we got Jake. Great. Create poll. 
Boom. <coughs> okay. There's your poll, my friends. Alright. Go. Go. My favorite character is the beefy Ferengi. The beefy Ferengi? Yeah. Yeah? I just really... I, I... It's the first time they've shown a Ferengi also who looked like he worked out. Yeah. Normally Ferengis have been shown as like little weaselly things. And even the ones that they had in TNG with the the, the electro whips, right? They're pretty <laughs> shrimpy. <laughs> That's how Ferengi and Guinan fight. Yeah. <laughs> Space magic. <laughs> so um, this just showed somebody who was like, and they also normally show the Ferengi as being um, like wily and or manipulative. You know that kind of negative qualities. This, to me, was the first like, oh no, there's like straight up physical bullies. Uh, mm. And I thought that, yeah. he, and it's a small part, but it's, I thought that he did a, a the character um, delighted me to have as that highlight opposite from what they've shown of Ferengi's. Not opposite, but um, <sighs> tangential to what they've been doing mm. with Ferengi's already. Yeah, I dig that a lot. I really, I, he, it's so interesting when a when a small character comes in, yes, one off small character that just kind of like steals the show, yep, because he's so compelling. But uh, yeah, for favorite character, who would I go with? I feel like um, Quark is in there for me for sure. Yeah, because this is such a great Quark episode. You learn a lot about him, and you kind of see something about him like being so willing to forgive his brother for trying to kill him yeah and being proud of him in a way for trying to take initiative Quark is a true believer in the rules of acquisition right and that's there are some I think it's a difficult thing to follow the rules of acquisition because you would have to fuck over your family and they show that that Ferengi aren't like preternaturally emotionless they actually have attachments and feelings mm-hmm. so it is showing like oh your belief system requires you to go against like familial instincts yeah so I do think that's interesting because Quark yeah. is someone that has to ride that balance between things yeah I, I, you've helped me decide I'm going Quark for favorite character for this episode and let's see what chat says Jake Wow. Jake is the winner in this episode. I think that's a solid choice. Yep, like because chat is made of Star Trek fans. Uh, you know what? Who appreciate the you, heartfelt you, you make me feel wrong, but I'm going to stick with my quirk. <laughs> okay, now best performance. Um, may I quote Beefy Ferengi? Beefy Ferengi. <laughs> um, Wallace Shawn. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I'll just... Let's see. Zek, oh, Cisco. We, oh, right. We do characters. Just because uh, I think it's easier for Jake. chat. Jake... I think Nog's got to be in there. Nog, He's so good always. Junior, I mean uh, Zek. Zek Junior. Do you think best performance? I feel like he didn't stand out enough to get a nomination. Mm. Like he was you, fine. He didn't. It's not even an honor to get nominated. <laughs> uh, Quark, I got to put in there. Yeah. Anyone else we want to nominate for best performance? We got Wallace Shawn in there. I think that's good. Yeah. We'll take last minute right. Oh, Andy, yeah, that's super true. You love seeing the power dynamic and father son dynamic in the same alien oh, species. Yeah, yes, yeah. agreed. Okay, um, and they they uh, they dovetail into each other. Yeah, yeah, totally. And also, like that friend relationship between two species is so special. Yeah, uh, two species that shouldn't hang out together. Yeah, I mean, it, it reminded me of like friendships that I had as a kid that, like, I felt like something 
like friend wise towards a person who like I can tell was friends with me. Influence on who who was like from a different, uh, like from a family that people considered to be dangerous because they were from the from the Middle East, you know. I'm just inter- making and, you the bad guy in your story. And I like wanted to be friends with this person, like didn't give a shit what other people said and knew that this was a good person. And I it just reminds me of this situation where like Jake knows that Nog is his friend and like right. is a good person and it doesn't matter to him what his dad says. Right. His dad knows that he'll lose if he tries to make them choose between them. Yeah. Um it's I it's so interesting. Okay, uh Doug, best performance. Um you're going beefy for the anything. Grand Nagus. The Grand yes. Nagus. You're going yes. with Wallace Shawn. Okay. <laughs> that surprises Absolutely. me. Now, the Wallace Shawn is a national treasure. Yeah, and uh, it's wonderful that he uh, uh, continued the character. Like I could have seen this have been like a one-off and done guest star thing. Yeah. So I'm glad that he either liked the character and or needed the work and was available. Yeah. Okay. For me, I, I totally agree that Wallace Shawn is a national treasure. Mm-hmm. But much like Harrison Ford, I don't feel like he's performing that much. Except, like, I think this is easy for him. I Absolutely. Think he's just he like breezes. perfect for this part. Yes. I don't think that this was like work for him. I think it was just play and fun. You can't judge someone because it's not Superman's fault that we have a yellow sun. That's what makes him Superman. It's not <laughs> Wallace Shawn's fault that. <laughs> Doing Zek is a easy breezy walk through the park because he's sure. a goddamn Superman. I, I agree that it's not his fault, and I agree that his performance is wonderful. But for for my You're still grading on a scale, <laughs> for my scale, I feel like uh, for best performance in this episode, I can't give it to Zek because because it's just like he's expectedly wonderful. You okay, know? sure. But there is an unexpectedly wonderful performance in this episode that is so under the radar and just so good. Okay. And it is the beefy Ferengi. <laughs> it is Lee Ehrenberg. Okay, yeah. he's, he's such a great actor. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, that I have to give him that award that's, for this episode. That's fair. Okay, best performance. I'll take it. Viewing results. I was ready to. Oh, Quark! Wow, Ooh. beefy Ferengi and Zach both got votes, but Quark took it. That surprises me. Nice. Honestly, I think I think he did a fantastic job. He, I read a thing in Memory Alpha where uh, the actor Armin Shipperman was saying. That uh, this was his first episode to like really carry, yeah, and it scared him, yeah. And they kind of like switch off different episodes, like who carries what, right? And this one was like really hard for him, and I think he nailed it. I think he knocked it out of the park. And yeah, I think that's he, a very good vote, Chad. Uh, What's up, Austin? He did a he 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 may had to make choices, and I think that they worked out real well. The the when he is the Grand Nagus and he's you know sort of he's very flowery about it. He's really like. He's he's like cosplaying as Grand Nagus. Yes. It's in- interesting because Armin <laughs> Shimmerman as an actor is playing a character Quark who is playing at being Grand Nagus. Oh, know? that's such a good point. It is such a good performance. Yeah. Yeah. And I love uh, you're almost making me switch, but I'm going to stick with what I got. <laughs> I love the fact that like becoming Grand Nagus means immediately you put on airs and are like the biggest best thing that's ever happened. Well, no, for Quark it is. When that's true. Rom becomes Grand Nagus, he's super chill about it. And I think for Zek it probably was too. Oh, spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> Kodo becomes emperor. <laughs> spoiler alert. Which is another uh, DS9 parallel to Babylon 5. Right, as you have like the sort of unexpected bumbly boob, almost borderline comic relief, become the leader of their people. 
Virkoto becomes Emperor, Rob oh, becomes the Grand Nagus. You're so right. <laughs> you're so right. Uh, they even have, you know, uh, Londo, but for a longer time has it, and then here you have Quark have it for a short period of time. Yeah. So you have a... a, a it's... There's there's a rhyming of so them. So fucking similar. <laughs> but I think that I think that Deep Space Nine is a very instinctually told story. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the, I, I'm going to say that a lot on Doug Space Nine, because... <laughs> There's so many times where stories don't quite make sense if you think about them at all, but like emotionally they work, and that to me feels like instinctually they work. Like it's instinctual storytelling. Well, hold on. This one guy I know called us Handsome Devils. I saw that. It was very, very. I didn't see that. That's Austin. He's a good I, dude. I'm so Austin, uh, negligent about chat. <laughs> <laughs> that Austin's the one who calls me Stoner Jeff Goldblum. Oh, nice. That fits. It, it does fit, because we're, we're going to go take a break soon and smoke more weed. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Man, ham sandwich popcorn, nice. I feel like we covered the fuck out of the negus <laughs> and a lot of other things that we shouldn't have been talking about. <laughs> this guy's got a lot of good opinions about food. Yep, hmm. I'm hungry. Okay, well, let's take a break. Okay. We're gonna, we're gonna, we got a smoker and a stoner here. So <laughs> and they're a very different things. Uh, so we'll be right back, you guys. Science fiction. Bum 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 bum. Oh no, thank you. Appreciate it though. Doug Space Nine. That's an awkward transition to make. Season 1, Episode 11. Vortex. The Vortex. Which uh, is uh, uh, starts off about a space egg. Mm-hmm. A, a Fabergé, space Fabergé egg. That Quark had the Midichlorians? No, that's still thinking about Star Wars. Midorans? Miradorans. Miradorans. <laughs> Great name for an alien species. We're, we're, honestly, if you said, oh my god, the Miradorans are here, I'm picturing something the size of a shuttlecraft with either one giant rhinoceros horn on it or like spikes all over it. Like, oh, the Miradorans tearing apart the cargo bay. But, like covered in hair, right? Like really Sure, furry. yeah, thick yeah. furry hair. Yeah. <laughs> Miradorans! But instead, it's a very interestingly, like, just, you just get surface hints at a real deep thing of the twin species. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, where if they have twins, it's like two halves of one person. The best half two of bodies. life. Yeah. So, like, when when this guy's twin is killed by, what's the main character's name, the, the, the guest star? Ted. Um, Barry. Cor- Corbin. Corwin. He just looked Cor- like... <laughs> what is his name? Just a nothing. <laughs> we have so much to talk about. Just like, um, who's this dirty-faced alien? <laughs> he w- Do you remember in TNG where there's that Alex. that guy that could <laughs> that they kept trying to lock up who kept getting out and James Cromwell was upset about it? Oh, no, I don't. It, it looked just it looked like him to me. I like, okay. kept thinking it was the same character. <laughs> uh, okay, so I, I, I'm going to have to pull this up on Memory Alpha because it's going to drive me crazy if I don't remember his name. Yeah. I think I have it open already. I do. <laughs> So Quark has set up to purchase this Space Fabergé egg from the twinned Miradorns, and then um, Gary bursts in with a phaser, and all twitchy and nervous is like, give me the thing, and no one will get hurt. And then there's a fight, and someone gets hurt. The Miradorns' uh, bonded partner dies, and then Odo comes in and... Croden. 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 Let's go with Ted, though. I think... 
I think that he is a Ted. Can yeah. We, let's call him Ted because it's going to be easier to remember. He's This is now Ted. To me, he laughably sticks out like a sore thumb at the beginning of the episode of like, what's up with that guy over there? And they cut to someone who is like, did you put your costume on in the car on the way to the set? He just <laughs> looks like just okay. some dude. I will grant you that that costume does not fit his body very well. Right. I will grant you that. But I love Ted. And I love this character so much. <laughs> like, I have this unique response to Star Trek guest stars where when I see them for the fir- for a second, I'm like, God, I don't remember your story, but I feel like I want to cry just seeing your face. <laughs> and it happened to me with Ted because I was like, fuck, I, I don't remember this one. But man, I, as soon as I saw him, I had like this emotional response. Right. It reminds me of being a kid and like watching Next Generation and... Uh, like seeing Hugh and I just have this like crazy right. emotional response yeah. you know like not even remembering like what happened in that situation of course I remember now because I've watched it like dozens of times the but. anger people feel when they first see Neelix's face on screen again <laughs> or, or the the incredible discomfort I feel whenever anyone mentions Tuvix <laughs> <laughs> but Ted like Crowden I'm like oh my god I don't remember I don't remember this episode but like I, I remember feeling intensely connected to this right. character and I just fucking love this episode yes. I Love this episode. the The whole emotional beat at the end with with Croden's dog. I'm gonna call him Croden. Fuck it. I'm trying to call him Ted, but I like him because you like Cro- it too much. I like him too much. The I'm whole keep calling him the space whole Gary. fact that this whole thing, Space Gary, revolves around uh, him trying to get his daughter and right. being a master manipulator, just trying to manipulate Odo to bring him to his daughter, mm-hmm. and then deciding to save Odo's life at the very end. It, it really got me, mm-hmm. and it, it gets me every time I watch it. I watched both of these twice before this episode today, just because I find I'm better prepared, yeah. and I really enjoy the fucking show, and I want to watch it twice because yeah. like I can't binge this because I can't watch next week's episodes, right? So I end up just watching them twice, uh, and. It's just like really, it's just really fucking good. Like it just has a great story and this amazing bond. And on top of that, like this bond between Odo and and Ted, which I I'm gonna be I'm gonna be fluid with what I call this person. Um, their bond is just so palpable by the end. Like this, not bond, but mutual respect. Sure. That they have earned for each other. Yeah. Um, this like recognition of of something being common between them, right. which Ted is is lying about dissembling. the whole time, dissembling about. <laughs> When in fact becomes real by the end, right? And on top of that, what makes what really brings this episode like over the top for me is Odo's realization that someone else has seen a changeling before, right? And putting yeah. a word to his species. You mean Wesley he, Crusher and the crew of the Enterprise <laughs> with the Elasimorph? Different species. <laughs> they 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 sh- they shatter when they're they? thrown against walls, which we need to talk about now. Uh, <laughs> but but yeah, yes. I, I gotta I I just have to like give it up to this episode for. Just being, just like really providing me with an emotional experience that really felt valuable to me. Yeah. And and plants one of, if not my favorite storyline of DS9, which is Odo trying to understand where he comes from. Mm-hmm. It's just like at the core of this show, and they finally put it in in a way that's not awkward. Because right. even yeah. in the very beginning of this episode, when Quark is like, that's why we've never seen any change or any shapeshifters <laughs> like before. Like you're always saying. Because you're all paranoid, you know? Like that's, that's much better. Um, What's the word? 
uh, exposition. Exposition. Thank you. Yeah. Then how they usually do it, where he's like, "I'm coming with you, Commander," because <laughs> I never known what's in the Denorius belt. And, yeah, you know, we've no, we know, we yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, they they finally Looking kind of found a, a good way to do that in this episode, yeah. and then really kind of take it to the next level of giving him a name to call his own species. Yeah, it'd be like growing up on another planet and not knowing you were from Earth and learning that you were called a human for the first time. Like, not even knowing where Earth is from, but someone saying, oh, I've met a human before. You're like, I'm a human? Right. That's what I'm called? Like, what a what a cool idea yeah. for a story. I can Sorry, see Sorry, I, I got off on a tangent there. No, no, that's... I, I love this episode. A tangent within the episode, so... Yes, which is so rare for us. <laughs> Sorry, what were you saying? No, I'm just I'm agreeing with you. I'm like, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's a, a tangent within the episode. Yeah. Can we talk about... Can we talk about the elephant in the room? Which one? <laughs> <laughs> The shape-shifting powers? Yes. Okay, yes. Yeah. The, the, well, the, well, Andy says, I don't understand what Ted's motivation was for trying to steal the egg. That is a massive problem in the plot of this episode. No, 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 no. It's 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 the, it's the essence of the plot of the episode. Tell me. Uh, Quark, Fix this for me. I need it. Oh, yeah. It's it's explicit. Quark uh, hired uh, uh, Gary to burst in and steal the egg from the Mirrodons, mm. and then Quark arranged the shuttle for, for Gary to go back through the wormhole, he was going to get the egg, probably give him some money, and then that dude was going to take the money and go save his daughter or whatever. And then yes. Quark, Quark wasn't going to get in trouble for the, for the receiving of the stolen goods from the Mirrodorn because it would have been, hey, I don't know who this asshole is. Uh, he just came in. They even have Rom tip it off in the beginning right. where Rom is like, are you accusing Quark of setting this whole thing up? And Quark is like, uh, let's not get hasty about this right. because... It wasn't supposed to be a murder. Right. It was just supposed to be a snatch and grab. You were fixing this for me right now. Keep going. That's basically it. That's 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 why Odo keeps keeps saying like, but you said you got to know this guy, and why is he giving you these funny looks? You just and raised my rating for this episode. <laughs> and it's why Gary bursts in with the phaser. He's like, um, I guess give me the space egg, you guys, because yes. I get to shoot the thing. But then the Mirrodons are just, <laughs> just apparently like, they make it sound like they're a very aggressive species. So they flip out. I, I can't remember what had happened, but there's, because I was too distracted by Odo being a fucking glass. So, but something happens, <laughs> and then there's the attack, and then he sh kills the the, yeah. the twin partner. You, you totally, you're a hundred percent right, and yeah. that is in the episode, it's and the I episode. missed it. Yeah, yeah. Because I thought, like, I I knew that like Quark had set up this other guy stealing the egg, Ted, right. Gary Croden. Um, that's his full name, it's Ted Gary Croden. <laughs> Ted Gary Croden, uh, <laughs> Esquire. Ted Gary Ted Ross Croden <laughs> is his full name. Renowned egg thief throughout the Gamma Quadrant. <laughs> Do you need a Fabergé space egg stolen? Call me, Ted Gary Space Croton. Esquire. International uh, Okay, so I knew that Quark had, had set it up for him to steal the egg, but I had assumed that it's because Croton wanted the egg maybe to sell so he could buy passage. Right. Or something yeah. like that. But, but you're right that Quark wanted it for himself, and he talked to... He talked to Croden, and the two of them are both the same type of people who talk to each other and just think, like, I need something. What does this person need right. that I can fill in for them? And right. they come up to this plan together of, like, I need transport. You need a you need this product. Right. You don't want to buy it. You just want me to come in and steal it and then give it to you. You'll get me transport. That right. is it. That is mm -hmm. totally it. And I didn't fucking get that. But I think that this episode is, like, really well written because 
all these like plot holes kind of tie up mm-hmm. and even when I didn't understand that when I didn't quite get it still I liked still it. liked yeah. it because I still felt like well he's just not giving us all the information but you don't need it because that's not what the story is about but the fact that he is giving you the information and I just didn't pick up on it because I'm not smart enough mm-hmm. makes me like it even more I love that See, I love I, that so much obviously I did have those pieces together but it still makes me kind of blah on the whole episode overall it's really you blah on this episode. I mean, like it's fine, but it didn't. I'm like waxing poetic about it over <laughs> here. <laughs> it didn't grab me. I don't like hmm. the whole. Uh, oh, he's got a daughter, so that's proof that this guy's okay. Like, dude has two bodies on him so far. I don't think that's know? the proof that he's okay. Him taking Odo with him is the proof that he's an okay guy. Like mm. he was gonna he he was going to leave Odo to die. He thought about it for a second yeah. and chose not to mm-hmm. because he recognized that Odo was a good person and decided to save him. Even though he doesn't give a shit. Like, yeah. he, he doesn't give a shit about anyone but his daughter. Like, it's very apparent. He'll lie and, and kill and cheat and do whatever it takes. He'll cut the necks of the people who killed right. his wives and not care about it. But right. but he saved Odo's life. And yeah. for him to do that means that he has redeeming he, nature. Right. I still am... I, it's an open question to me whether or not he's still, like, a, a, a good person or not. But he did save Odo. I will give him that. Yeah. He's lucky that changelings apparently don't turn into goo when they get knocked out. Yeah, we gotta, they, we gotta they talk about this. maintain their current form, which yeah. doesn't seem right. So much about that opening sequence doesn't quite make sense as far as Odo's changeling abilities are concerned. Yeah. Because he's talking to Rom. Yeah. Quark asks Rom to bring in four glasses with, like, the whatever special, special yeah. drink he wants that's, like, code for secret business meeting or whatever. And then when... So, like, we're looking at Odo, and then the camera moves to Rom. Right. And then we see Odo again, mm-hmm. looking at Rom pick, put four glasses on this thing. Right. And then Rom picks up something and turns around and picks up a tray with five glasses. Right. And we've seen Odo transform many times. Right. It's slow, and it makes a Google, Google noise. You know? <laughs> like, Wait, what was that we, noise again? We didn't hear... What was Google, 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 Google. <laughs> we didn't hear that noise. <laughs> and it happened too fast. We've learned that Odo can also transform stealthily. Uh, yeah, apparently uh, that noise is just for the audience's benefit. It's not actually in-world like the transporter noise. Is that noise <laughs> in-world or is it for the audience's benefit? Because in there world. are times where people get transported and people don't hear it. It's in-world. All of it's in-world. Uh, yeah. The only thing that's not in-world is the music, like the scoring. You have to accept all sound effects as being in-world. Okay. I'm, I, I think you're right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he didn't realize the other glass appeared on the tray. Not only that, but like that glass got there faster than would have been physically possible for for a changeling, mm-hmm. in my opinion. And it weighs as my opinion. much as a glass, which is handy, right? Even though later on, right. uh, Space Croden Gary says something about like he's heavier than he looks in the same episode, right? So Odo can shapeshift and make himself way less. Yeah, and like, when he like like punches the dude, he's just like, yeah. like knocks him down. Uh, one of the Miradorns after his brother had been killed. Yeah, like he just lays that guy flat on the ground when he's bent on vengeance. <laughs> Odo is strong. strong. Like Odo is dense. Yeah. Um, he added ranks to his shapeshift ability. <laughs> <laughs> Doug can back you up on that. Can you on what that he added? That rank. he added ranks. Can you back her up? I mean, I'm testing this. I think. I think. I don't know what. It, I don't know what she means. I don't want to say yes. <laughs> um, it, like, do you mean is he? He just like leveled up. Leveled up. Yeah. Yeah. It's, his shape shifting ability leveled well, up. It's, then why can't he make a nose? Well, well, well this is his shape shifting. His shape shifting powers are magical. 
Yeah. They're just they just defy all logic or sense. Right. And, and it only that, gets worse when you get more shapeshifters involved. And it only gets worse when you throw his head through him against the wall and he shatters, shatters like grass. Right. And then recombines. And it has a com badge and then calls for security. Right. 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 Okay. Can we explain this? No. It's magic. When he's glass, I can explain this. <laughs> the glass itself. Did it have liquid in it? No, it was empty. The glass was empty. If they tried to pour liquid into the glass, it would have hit a glass-like surface <laughs> and poured down the sides because the glass only looked like you could put stuff into it. It was like an optical illusion that Odo was creating <laughs> with his body, and that glass is a solid thing, and inside is a communicator. Mm, okay, but it doesn't explain the weight or the shattering. The shattering is a peculiarity of the changelings, which are very different from the elasomorphs, which you'll find <laughs> in the Alpha Quadrant, who are also a shape-shifting species, mm. but if they but they cannot shatter and, and come back together. We don't know that. We didn't know Odo could shatter till today. Oh, I know that. I'm <laughs> telling you that. <laughs> Isomorphs can only turn into fuzzy monsters. Exactly. And and old ladies and, and old young ladies. girls. That's it. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Fuzzy monsters. If an elasomorph had to be a glass, it would be as large as Wesley Crusher. That old lady, though... <laughs> That's is... how they made love. Is Wesley got into her as a glass. <laughs> oh. This is a weird thing to do with your time. I really <laughs> like it. That old lady, though, is 100% the attitude of a founder. Like, she really has that Oh, yeah, the like... elasomorph? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Totally. Totally. I they're this they're 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 as related to each other as uh, Trelane is related to Q, which is a hundred percent related. Yeah, they are of the same type. Yeah, I mean that's a really good question. Is are the Elasomorphs changelings? I really don't think so because the whole premise of this show is that the changelings are like in the Gamma Quadrant, right. you know. And also, it it looks different enough, and I know that they change effects and all that right. shit, but like. It doesn't seem like the elasomorphs become pools of goo. It seems like they just that go from... That we've seen. Sure, that we've seen. It's seen. But for me, that's enough to say like right. that they just... They, they don't have control of density and matter the way that Odo does. Like, <laughs> I mean, I you know, it is actually conceivable that Odo is becoming super dense <laughs> as a liquid. Uh -huh. it, it is conceivable that like his density is so small as a liquid mm -hmm. versus like when he's a man and he's just like pretty dense. But how can he weigh a different amount? How can he weigh as much as a... How can Rom... Dude, and, I unless, don't know how science works. <laughs> neither do the people behind the show. Unless... unless Here's one thing you can envision is there's a glass on the table and then there's like a... a, a the rest of Odo as something else like stealthily sneaking into the room. You know? It's just there's just a dog following Rom. <laughs> I'm like whatever. <laughs> no, I'm into this. I'm into this theory actually. Oh, speaking of dogs. Because that makes sense that if he'd shatter then he'd reconstitute with the rest of the dog that was off camera. I have to go back or to Or just like a little couch that follows him. <laughs> yeah, just walking. It's a plant thing that just like moves and stops and he, Rom keeps looking. Yeah. Yeah. And then when he's ready to change it goes <laughs> Okay, I have to do a side thing back to the Nagus. Okay. Uh, I did not talk about this at all, but while Quark is in full Nagus mode, uh, he is petting 
a weird stick-like bug creature right. with the, a long nose. Hand puppet. He, which is his super I puppet. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And then just like sets it down on his desk and it's uh, it is very delightful because they make like all things about the Ferengi seem to be like creepy crawly you know it's like swampy that's the, all the it rains a lot it's right. wet. They eat bugs they eat grubs right. there's beetles and then their pet that they have is this like living stick thing. Yeah, it's, it's a stick. It's a giant stick bug. Yeah. I love that. But it's also such a, like, James Bondian, you know, like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually read that they were trying to remake The Godfather with the Nagus. Yeah. Which it, I've it never shows. seen The Godfather, so I didn't pick up on that. It really shows. You blocked that out. Yeah, I totally forgot about that. They also show a thing in either this one or the last one that I had never noticed in Deep Space Nine, but there's a giant skeleton of some sort of creature I noticed that the promenade. I, I, I was like, like, how did I never see this? I forgot this? about this. I was going to screen cap that to show you because I'm like, Doug, there's a fucking whale. It's a monster. There's like a giant monster whale hanging from the ceiling as if you're in the Natural History Museum on the promenade of Deep Space Nine. I had never noticed it. It's like foreshadowing. You're like, oh, that thing is going to come to life at some point in time because they've... Focused on it. In you remember way. the first Fabergé egg in this series where that space whale went out? I'll bet they killed it, and that's, <laughs> and that's the bones of that space whale. Yeah, you guys look for that on the promenade. It's not new. It's always been there. I just never saw it before. Yeah, it's like really- I, my mind is like, like I recognize that pattern in the background. That's a giant carcass bones. Like <laughs> I, I recognized it in a weird way, but I didn't even know it was bones. It's a DS9 um, Mandala moment. That is so Mandela. funny that you saw that. <laughs> I'm so happy you saw that because I totally noticed that also. Yeah, it's totally the Mandala effect. I, it's Googling fucking Berenstein it. Bears all over DS9 again. Skeleton. This is proof of a tear in the fabric of reality. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm fine. I'm Googling Deep Space Nine Skeleton on Promenade. There it is. That's not even what I saw. Right, but that's 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 a close-up that's of its, its face. That's its head? Yeah. Can, is there a shot of it from further away? No. No. I should have screenshotted it. Yeah, because it's just like such... Oh, is that... No, that doesn't have it. It's like up, up above the like. If they're looking up, um, <laughs> this makes fascinating streaming. I'm sorry, you guys. If they're like looking up to the second level of the promenade, it's like hanging in the ceiling, above the the lower level. I'll, I'll have to find it and like screen cap it or something for next time because it really blew my mind. Anyway, um, I love that the very first line of this episode is Quark asking Odo if he wants the usual. And he says, no, nothing. And he's like, the usual, the usual then. Yeah. Odo's usual is nothing. Yeah. I, I, I enjoy that. Because he doesn't eat or drink. Right. Yeah, and it's not like Data, where Data doesn't need to eat or drink, but he chooses to just to have the experience. Like, does Odo do that? I feel like he does later on. I'm not sure. Oh, to pretend to eat or drink? Yeah, do you remember that ever he happening? Does, I've, we've talked about it before, and I can't wait to get to it, but he does... He does the most ridiculous thing, even worse than this, shape-shifting later on. Yeah. That's that's the one where he makes himself a cup of Rock Gino that is himself, right. and he drinks it. Right. I remember that. <laughs> but does he ever eat or drink, like, real food? I don't, I don't think remember. so. I don't know. I'm distracted by Doug reading chat. Yeah, sorry. Okay. No, no, it's good. Um, Read chat. So, where are we with this? 
the we got nowhere basically. <laughs> I mean, we we got we got slammed up against the wall and shattered. Basically, <laughs> it's too much. It's it is it's a it's really jarring. Like it really takes you out of the episode. We didn't do it the really mushroom ratings out of on the, the last one. But oh, that, we didn't. That would yeah. have been like like a zero. Yeah, or like a three, just because it's like well, the wormhole is there, you know, and they talk about that kind of stuff. It's like, yeah, all right. There's some there's a Star Trek by default, but. If you take all of Star Trek's baseline, yeah, zero. There's nothing crazy. This is a ten because of Odo's shapeshifting is now... It was fine before, and now they were like, mm-hmm, did you get used to the shapeshifting? Because we're going to get fucking weird with it now. What is the mycelial network on this rating system? Mm, a seven. Seven okay. or eight. So this, basically, we should call it the Changeling Shattering Glass, <laughs> you know, rating system. Because this is the rating. It is No, 10. it's the mushroom scale. Yeah. It has no relation to, to the mycelial network. The oh. mycelial network is ranked on the mushroom scale, but it is not the, you know, so the, the informing part of it. It's just because mushrooms make you get trippy and weird. Okay, so we're talking like, like magic mushrooms is in drugs. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah. Mushroom like, scale. Yeah, that's fine. And also it's a scale that's made up so you can just, you know... It, it, you can cue it up and make it infinite if you want. You can, yeah, but the mushroom of, scale though, is really. If you were to eat magic mushrooms from the mycelial <laughs> network, can you imagine? <laughs> you turn into a tardigrade. I think that's how you turn into a cue. I think that's how the cue <laughs> became cue. Um, yeah. So I yeah I love the mirador and I love the idea of this like paired species mm-hmm. where when they have twins, it's like their soul is split into these two bodies. Yeah. And it's so fascinating to me that the one that survives is just like, I am going to kill Crodin. That's my goal. That's my only goal for existence. He says that to Sisko and Odo, Mm -hmm. like the commander and chief of security for the place that he currently is. And he parks his ship there. And walks away. And he's like, I'm going to wait to kill this guy. Yeah. Because it shows that Deep Space Nine is, is ineffective. And that I would argue that even the Federation and Starfleet in general is ineffective against uh, uh, any moderately powerful alien species that are determined to do what they want to do. You know, right? Like because of the Prime Directive, because they have to. Because of the pri- well, because of the Prime Directive, just because their, technological limitations. Mm-hmm. Like they make it clear. Well, okay. First of all, the Federation—they couldn't just like we're going to arrest this guy or we're going to blow up a ship or anything like that. They just have to let him sit in his ship because of their laws. But he's like, yeah, as soon as I get a chance, I'm going to go murder this asshole. Right. And you can't stop me with your ships. Yeah, and like, what the fuck happened with Rom in the last episode, who tried to kill Quark, was caught red-handed, and then did not go to jail. Yeah. Like, for attempted murder that of a Ferengi. O- Odo, like, saw. There's no... Right, right totally. Like, what? what's the deal with that? I, that, that bothered me a little bit, actually. Well, it just shows... Well, it's, there's no in-universe solid explanation for it it's the, the the episodic you know throw stuff away right maybe I'll bet you that he is on probation <laughs> um, for attempted murder for attempted murder for, for like uh, the next three seasons okay. under Bajoran law if 50 likes thank you guys victim or the target of an attempted murder chooses not to press charges okay. then the Bajoran state won't independently pursue charges or they choose not to because it's just not yeah. worth it. And know? I don't think Odo considers killing Quark a crime. So, all right, we explain that away. My Zek, my 8.5 stands. I was going to lower it, but Zek, Zek donated heavily to Odo's uh, um, constable re-election committee. <laughs> uh yeah, but so let's let's talk about Croden though. Like besides okay. his ill-fitting outfit and his dirty face. And his dirty face. 
I really like this character. Yeah, yeah. I thought his performance was fantastic. The actor did a good job. There. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's so interesting because he he is so good at reading people and reading Odo and seeing like Odo wants to know where he comes from. When he calls it a changeling, Odo like perks up in a way that that Croden can obviously read. Right. And then change all of his tactics about what he's been doing to he's try to convince Odo it, yeah. to get him to his daughter. Right. So he's like this. He, I mean, he could be like a criminal mastermind if he chose to, and it sounds like he's done a lot of criminal acts to try to stay alive since he's been, like, fleeing his government since they killed his wives. And I actually kind of believe him when he says that he doesn't know why the government killed his wives. Yeah, and, they, and what they do here, uh, I think, to good effect, is they just take a short, short scene to show what they've already established as reasonable Federation people, i.e. Cisco, talking to their government... And the government agent is like, you, I don't know what kind of bullshit laws you have, but if you care about justice, you're going to give it to this guy back right now, and we're going to punish him. <laughs> so It was just like that. So for us, the viewing audience, we're like, oh, these guys are assholes. So right. that helps. They, it helps you believe Croden. Right. They, they offer a thing that you now, if you think this guy's an asshole, you have sympathy for this person that is against him kind of thing. Right. Totally. It, yeah, it's... It's just so well written. It's like everything kind of balances itself and like wraps up so nicely. Um, there's a good episode coming up for next stream. Oh, good. I'm excited. I don't even remember what's next. Oh, no. I actually put it on the AFK screen. Let's see. It's uh, Battle Lines and the Storyteller, although I don't remember what those are. <laughs> this is Storyteller when, when O'Brien uh, has to tell think... stories so that the space clouds don't kill all the people. Oh, I don't remember. Or is remember. that way later? All I remember is the Rumpel Stiltskin episode, which I think is if wishes were horses, which I'm very excited to talk about. Um, speaking of holodeck sentience, what about what about childhood demons that oh, later go on to star in Carnival? I just was watching uh, some old TNG ones, and there's one where it's, it's season two, and I forget what the rest of the episode is, but Picard is on the holodeck riding around on a horse, uh-huh. and then it just made me think like what that looks like in the real world right. is that it's an old man bouncing up and down in midair, you know? Yeah, I would, that's, I would love to see Just that. like in a room with <laughs> yellow lines. <laughs> Just having a gay old time. Just like on force fields. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, totally. Data. Totally. Yeah, I mean, I... I love I love when they actually get to the vortex when like Odo finally takes Croden to the vortex and they just go into the nebula from Wrath of Khan <laughs> and it is actually footage from Wrath of Khan that they use to make this vortex it's, it it's, is actually footage from that it's the first appearance in Deep Space Nine of a classic Star Trek trope which is magic space gas yes exactly it's just like Ooh. the creepy space cloud that always looks the same it fucks up your scanners it fucks up your teleporters it yeah. fucks up your communications yeah. if you fire weapons they're gonna blow up on you or maybe they won't blow up on you. Yeah, and if you get to its like, if you get to its candy core, you will find Viger, <laughs> <laughs> or sometimes an alien intelligence. Exactly. And then yeah. the, the 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 galaxy is littered with these things. Yes, these big blue clouds. Yeah, with I mean, a weird sentience inside. And then the Badlands. That's just like what the is Badlands? A bunch of it. Even Nagilum in a way. Yeah, Nagilum. <laughs> yeah, Hava Nagilum. Uh, Nagilum is ridiculous, dude. I love that episode. It's, it's so good. Yeah. What is death? It's so good. Um, yeah, man. What? So, so this episode doesn't do it for you. For me? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's another one where it's like it's it's a it's a passable, serviceable episode. But um, and uh, yeah, I am making fun of the shapeshifting stuff. 
But that doesn't hold me back in any way. That's not like why I would not be all that impressed by this particular episode. It's mm -hmm. I didn't think that there was anything that was all that interesting as far as they were exploring of of any kind of big ideas or anything like that. Yeah, not even Odo finding his people. I, well, that's just a hint of something else, though. So it's not like it. I mean, yeah, in some ways it can get points for like, okay, you're setting something up, but you're not really doing that much with it. It's just, oh, Odo can be easily duped by this guy because he wants to know where he comes from or who his people are. Yeah, um, I, I had, I, I watched it twice. I don't think he's duped by him. I think that he is... He's desperate, uh, you know. But yeah, he he uh, goes with him because Cisco tells him to. Yeah, he was not going to do that on his he own. Wasn't Odo was not him. going to be convinced. No, but he was. He bought into the story enough, you know. He, I don't know if he did. I think that he he wanted the story to be true, but but wouldn't allow, him to allow himself to believe enough it. Enough for him to go talk to Quark and be like, did this guy ever talk about what planet he's from? I, I think that's him wanting it to be true. I right. don't think that he ever accepted that anything Croden was telling mm, him was true. That's He's fair. constantly telling him like that you are a liar, you are not telling me the truth, and then recognize I think that Odo can tell when Croden is lying. Gotcha. And I okay. think that I can take that. I think in the moment when Croden tells him about his wives is when Odo realizes that he's being told the truth for the first time, when they're on the shuttlecraft. Right. And then it all kind of like he knows that Croden is lying about the the changelings having ever been in a colony on this asteroid. He knows that. Like he doesn't even go looking for the colony. He says, "Stop lying to me. Tell me what's here." Right. And that's what he tells him about his daughter. So yeah, I I was actually like pretty impressed with Odo in this episode. Like having this carrot dangled in front of him, this thing that he's been looking for his whole life and not snatching at it, except for the um the key. The key. Yeah. So this 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 is hard for me to accept cousin. in this episode. Cousin, yeah, he calls this thing cousin. Mm -hmm. It's hard for me to accept that the the piece of jewelry hanging around Croden's neck the whole episode the shapeshifter key is the shapeshifter key. If this had been the item that he was trying to steal in the beginning, it would have worked for me. Right. But just him owning it as the key to his daughter's uh like stasis pod yeah. was a little too far for me to kind of believe. It's a plot convenience MacGuffin. Exactly. You know? Yeah, exactly. Th this is why, because I think they need to make it that Odo believes him enough to go further along with him than you might otherwise think. And the key is something that makes it like, okay, here's tangible proof so that Odo can at least continue the investigation or yeah. continue to have some doubts. Because yes. I do think it's yeah. weird, all else aside, that Odo does. Uh, let a, a murderer go, you know? It's... I... Uh, yes, they, they're... they're it's, it, hmm, I'm having a hard time with this. Because I feel like they do... This is what I don't like about the episode, is that they just get really quickly to the point that, that Gary should be someone who is trusted and forgiven for murdering people. Like, Well, he murdered the, the Mirrodorn because he was shot at. You know, right? He right. could have stunned him, but he he walked into the room with a loaded phaser, right? You know, set but set to kill. He did that in order to yeah get passage to find his daughter. Right. You so know? it's manslaughter. It's negligent manslaughter. Sure. And and yes, that we exist in a universe where there should have been a stun setting on that weapon. <laughs> Frangy, uh, cheap Frangy weapons just yeah. Setting. But I but I do I do like the fact that Odo lets him go because like that's not a Starfleet thing to do that's yes. a that's a I take the law into my own hands right like this person doesn't have a life unless I let him go with his daughter and right. his daughter kept him from killing me 
I think like his responsibility to his daughter kept him from killing me. So right. I think I can trust him out in the universe. I think this is the best thing for this person. What do you think? And happens in my to him? situation, so he lets him go. What do you think going forward? Do you think he goes back? I to think him? he was killed and eaten by the Vulcans <laughs> as soon as he got on their ship. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the resupply, asshole. It's a ship of evil Vulcan. <laughs> Anyone that snarky all the time is eating everyone else, you know? Uh, what do you think happened to him? <laughs> <laughs> I just figured he went to Vulcan and then hated it there, uh, you know, because uh, he, he, it seems I, like he wouldn't... I have a better question for you. What happened to Grand Nagus's son? Oh, yeah, he disappears. I think that Grand Nagus killed him on the ride home. He's like, <laughs> you, will never, you will never live up to my legacy. You are a waste of son, and I'm going to kill you. I we th- never see him again. I think that uh, uh, Zek Jr. and the beefy Ferengi hatch a plot to kill the Nagus when they get back they're like this was ten kinds of bullshit and this guy's like okay well let's try and kill him yeah. and then the beefy guy sells out his son yes. uh, uh, to expose the plot to curry favor and we yes. never see him again because he's just chilling it on uh, Ferenginar making all kinds of latinum because he helped save Zek the son helps save Zek no uh, the other guy yeah and the son gets sold out like right the, I, I'm with you yeah. and I think that the son spends the rest of his life working at like a Burger King like the equivalent like flipping burgers for like no profit like Zach just like puts him somewhere where he can't make any profit for the rest of his life uh let's see it would be called Golden Grubs Golden Grubs <laughs> it's fast food how did you do that Frankie fast food oh Golden Grubs and it's just pictures of gold pressed latinum and like grubs, grubs like kind of swimming between them you know and they're anthropomorphic bugs they're like I'd eat me we have to do this. <laughs> and actually, it would only work on Ferenginar, so maybe we shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> um, Storytelling. Oh, yeah. That's- Battle Lines is where Julian finally admits he's always a nose O'Brien. Oh, nice. And Kyle Paca's coming back next time, right? I love her. I'm so excited to see her again. Aren't you a little short for a Kai? <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting that what, like... What really draws me to this episode it doesn't seem to affect you emotionally. I think it's well, because I your feel lack that... of human emotions is maybe why you are not enjoying this episode as much I'm as so skeptical as of a known dissembler and person capable of murder suddenly has a new story to tell and you're just like, yeah, okay, that seems reasonable. I get like his yeah. daughter clearly is not kidnapped, which is good. It's his daughter, but it's it's also her father. Maybe she doesn't know that this guy is actually an awful person. He can still... She doesn't know. He can still I, I be agree. a deceptive I think he criminal is. element... I think he still is. ...from a government that, yes, looks like it's a bunch of assholes, but that doesn't make him automatically not a terrible person. Like, right. There's nothing... It's a lot of shortcuts that are meant for you, the viewing audience, to just be like, oh, I've switched my allegiances and now I'm on this guy's side. But another reading of it could be like, oh, this guy is just manipulating everyone around him yes. as a master manipulator and you, you, Odo, and everyone else is buying into it. But, I agree. And I I think that that is actually my reading also, is that he's the master manipulator, but I think that okay, unless unless his daughter is not actually his daughter, right, and is like his criminal cohort, yeah. which I grant is a possibility. Right. Unless that's true, I think that we have confirmation uh, from his daughter that that what he said about his wives being killed was true. Oh, I agree. And, yeah, and that uh, and that he is a that he loves her and like cares for her and has been doing all of this for his daughter. Right. Which I really think, if anything, can if you can like draw a conclusion from anyone, 
like from any one behavior about anyone. Yep. Them like caring for their family shows that they have compassion. Right, and that's where I say no. I say that that he can still be a terrible person. He, we are assuming his story of like I guess I just asked the wrong questions. Right, is but, but the would truth you like the story? Risk, if like what if he what if if you're a shitty person who like yeah you love your kids but would you like save your like would you risk your life to go save them if they were capped like trapped inside of a vortex? I think that 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 possibility exists that you can be someone who was an objectively bad person in his society. And still also love your children and want to save them. Okay, maybe. But but let's say, even in that situation, if this person has the best interests of their kid in mind and is not going back to their society and is going to go try to make a life somewhere with their child in this big, vast universe, even if that person might be a master manipulator and a killer, but but like with, with what Odo knows about him, I think there's enough there. Even knowing that everything he said to him about the stuff about it, Everything he said to him except the stuff about his family was a lie. Like, we know that. He's admitted to that. Um, but I think the stuff about his family is true, and I think his, the way he cares for his daughter is sure. real. Yep. And I think that Odo's decision to let him go is more about the daughter's future than than, uh, yes. than Z- whatever his name is. What is his name? Ted? Ted's than Ted's future. Gary. Gary. Ted Gary, Ted Ross, <laughs> Space, Croden. Croden. Yeah. I, was, I was going with Ciroc again. Ciroc, yeah. Um... I, I still feel like Odo made a gut decision that I would have made also. And yeah, see, I, I would have sent him back to his planet to get punished hmm. and then sent her on her way. Like, there, I saved your daughter. Like, you still have to get punished for your crimes. I think saving his daughter without letting his daughter have a father is, like, not necessarily saving his daughter. Yeah, I mean, it, it shows that Odo, you know, for all of his things about law and order, it really is dependent on the situation, that it's not like absolute law and order. And of yeah. course that is, uh, yeah, respecting totally. the other society's laws are not is not a no-do thing. Not a priority for that's, no-do. That's a totally. federation It's thing. his sense of law and order. Yeah. And, and I guess that's why I like this so much, is because it's just such strong character writing that Odo has such strong senses of what is wrong and right that seem consistent for his character over mm-hmm. time except for taking Rom to jail, which he definitely would have done. Uh, and I just I just love it. I just... Maybe I Odo know. feels sympathy, because Odo understands, like, oh, there's there's sober Rom, who's a doofus. Right. And there's... there's oh, wait, no. There's sober Rom, who's... We don't know. There's drunk We've Rom... We've never met sober Rom. No mean. one has. <laughs> and then there's hopped up on... Uh, uh, Golden grubs. Beetle dust. <laughs> beetle beetle dust. snuff. That was beetle snuff. The hopped up on beetle snuff Rom, who is the dopey comrade Rom... Yes. Either way, I I don't know. It just works for me. And like Maybe Odo's, get more. <laughs> Odo's like longing looks when he thinks about his people and like knowing hey. where he came from. I just I love it, man. Hey. I love it. Uh, it just works for me, like on a really deep level. Do I have it? Oh, I don't think I have it. I have a screenshot that I took. Let me see if it came in. No. Oh, well, I'll send it to you later. Okay. Of, of Odo, just with those longing looks. Oh, you did? Oh, yeah. my God. I love... I, I, it's amazing that he, he can convey such longing through that makeup. <laughs> um, yeah. René is <laughs> Albert Jean-Wan? Albert Jean-Wan. He's a great actor. Oh, we got to see um, uh, Quark lay down, uh, I guess it would be French. Uh, <laughs> I took notes swing. for the first time. I wanted to check. It's just one, and it just said... I'm sorry to interrupt you. It just no, says... Odo's usual is nothing. That's all it says. <laughs> I took notes for this episode. Oh, Odo's usual out real is quick. nothing. That's why I don't take notes. I just try to watch it right before. Yeah. 
for a second time, and then I can remember. This shit. is my these are my least amount of notes that I've ever done. Normally, I get like pretty chatty with myself, but yeah, this was it. Like, just no. It turns into a glass, and then is broken, and then calls security. Yeah. What's dissemble? What's Akel? Akel. Akel is the, oh, the uh, brother's uh, name. Miradorn, yeah. yeah, it was like Akel and Bakel or something. <laughs> Akel and Akor. I don't remember something like that. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I mean, I, for me, this episode like sums up why I love Star Trek mm-hmm. in a way that's very different from Next Generation mm. and feels very Deep Space Nine. I guess this episode sums up why I love Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Like, just this, uh, this like outlaw justice, right? That's doesn't work on Next Generation because you have you know a, like a genius captain who right. knows these rules inside and out always knows what's right and wrong based off of a, like the Prime Directive top which, of my class at the Academy which he talks about like the Prime Directive is very accurate you know it's a it's an accurate ethos in his mind so he just upholds it whereas uh, Odo is just winging it you know Odo's just kind of feeling it and yes. has a good sense of justice and when his sense of justice is questioned and put in and put into question the way that the writers kind of explore that just fascinates me. And yeah. I just love it. I can see that. It, I can know? appreciate that. I love that. And like examining Odo's sense of justice and examining where he comes from to me feels just like examining data and like his humanity and his humanity yeah. or, or the doctor and his humanity, you know? Yeah. Um, not the doctor of doctor who, but like the doctor from Voyager. Like, there's always a character like that on Star Trek, like T'Pol or Spock also. Right. Um, I don't think they have... I don't... See, I, I see what you're saying. I disagree with you here. I don't think there's a parallel of the exploring humanity character on Deep Space Nine. Well, yeah. I mean... They do explore... I do think they do explorations more I, of I culture disagree. and religion and society. For Odo, his character is, is someone who is othered. Like yeah. someone who is alone and doesn't know where they come from and is othered, and I think that like finding if you place, were like no an adopted child, I think Odo would speak so much. But to he's you, not striving you know? to become something else or to try to find his. He's desperate to find out where he's from, though. Sure, he's got a mystery. And I think you know, being, I think being <laughs> desperate to know where you're from is like a core human function. I think some of us grow up knowing where we're from because we have families that tell us. Yeah. But I think if you don't have that then it becomes something that is, like, intrinsic to your understanding of yourself that you feel you're missing. I, I think it's more of a, like, wharf uh, in TNG of, like, finding how you fit into this particular world. But Worf knew he's a Klingon from Kronos. Like, he knows what he is and where he's from. Yeah, but... Like, uh, Odo has no idea. Right, but I don't think it's the... There's, there's not the... It's not, like, the data exploration, though. Where data, yeah. it's like data wants to be human, and there are people who don't believe that he's human or sentient or has rights, and you know they're and yeah. they're exploring. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, artificial intelligence. To, to me, the the emotional depth of Odo's story equals that of Data's. Uh, and I, if it does, I don't think it's there now. Sure. This this is the first glimpse of it. This is just this mystery. is like this opening is just, opening that book. It's you know? a J.J. Abrams mystery box. That's what this yeah. is. Yeah, and they do mention it in the first episode that he doesn't know where he's from and all that. But this right. is the first time where they develop that, and and I love it. But yeah, what do we feel about this like key that is also his cousin and is like a shapeshifter? I don't know, and that it's alive. But it's alive. Julian but does... I think it's like a plant. It's like it's like a shapeshifting plant. Yeah. But I don't think they ever bring it back. I don't think they ever like talk about. Yeah, how it relates to what we eventually see of the changeling. Spoiler alert! Andy, if you're listening, close your ears. Spoilers. <laughs> Three, two, one. Spoilers. 
Um, oh wait, before you go, I'll just wave at you when it's time to come back. Okay, spoilers now! Three, two, one, go! So eventually we see, like, the Great Link. There's more Changelings. Yeah, and we see what cha the Changeling planet looks like, right. and it does there's no plants. There's right. no, like, little keys growing out of the ground all over the place, which there is would an have been island. so cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, anyway, spoilers done. Come back, Andy! Come back! <laughs> come back! See, this is why this is a great as a visual medium. But it does... Give the implication like maybe there's shape shifting technology, you know, or it's something. Yeah, I don't know what it implies. It's weird. It doesn't, but also to me, it's it's goofy, but it doesn't matter. It could be. Yeah. It's a piece of a changeling that broke off and was separated from its some changeling oh, okay. somewhere tried to turn into a giant glass and it shattered and it one of the pieces fell down a well and then it put itself back together and it's like, well, I guess there goes that piece of me, and then that uh, thing just eventually turns into this. And he's back. <laughs> or somebody stole it, or it has nothing to do with changelings. Yeah, it might it's not. Just... It's, it's actually an elasomorph. It's not a changeling <laughs> at all. <laughs> yeah. It, it comes from the progenitors of the changelings. Which was Salome Jens, the same actress who played uh, the lady coming later. Changeling lady. Because yep. remember in the chase in TNG? And she almost looks like a changeling oh, in yeah, that too. Oh, yeah, 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 she does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So maybe it was the same progenitor race in the Gamma Quadrant also mm -hmm. that planted the Elasomorphs and the and the I feel like they, you know, ran out of, of stuff at the end and they're like, why can we just mix it all together into a big hopper and pour it onto a planet? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's how you get Ferenginar. Ba 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 Squirrel! <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's what I'll do whenever, whenever we hit a lull. <laughs> yeah, but it was a real squirrel early. We can see into my backyard. Well, should we rate this one? Yeah, yeah. Is there more to talk about in this episode? Uh, I think we can, we'll come out with it when we get to the rating, you know? Yeah. Okay, well, let's let's get these... Uh... Again, I'm sort of like meh, nonplussed with this one. I'm shocked it's, by it's, that. It's not bad, but it's also just like, eh, you know, serviceable. Wow, I'm curious to see what Chad thinks because, like, to me, this was like very above average. Like, I mean, I really, I really love this episode. I love the Nagus too, and it was hard for me to decide which one I liked more because they were both so good. Okay, Chad, there you go. There is your poll to vote on what you think. So, Doug, what do you rate it? I'm right now trying to decide if it's a where between six and seven it shows up. Does it get to be a seven? Is Does it, it get a, to be a seven? Is it a six? Is it a six point five? Is it a six point five? Is it a six point five? Because uh, it's it's a six. There we go. It's a six. I just thought to myself, oh, I hate that they glom on the like, but he's got a daughter and two dead wives. So yeah, that that too much of the lazy writing there. Um, uh, and there's other great things I like about it, but they're not enough. They're just they're just uh, window dressing on a turd. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, to me the whole thing, like the dot on the two dead wives, was a commentary on how a lying thieving thieving cheat can be complex and can have value and can be a person who matters to other people. Yeah. You know, I I love this whole thing start to finish. Like besides the glass auto shattering in the beginning which like breaks my brain a little bit and it's like, so really, hard to think about it's so hard to think about like mm -hmm. it's like what does this mean and him just being a glass on that tray at all was really difficult for me to accept 
I mean, I was okay, kind of, with him being a cart with wheels, but and a rat. But when he's a see-through glass, yeah, the cart like, with wheels was a real stretch. Yeah, but this stre- like breaks that a little. Yeah, and, literally. But but it but it doesn't matter to the story. Yeah. it's it's literally just like superfluous, like superficial window dressing on the episode. It doesn't matter. And also, I love okay, the guest star. He I, gets knocked out, and he just turns into nothing. He just stays. Humanoid, solid-looking Odo. Yeah, what does when that he's a mean? glass and he's thrown so hard he breaks. Right. Five. How do you knock out a changeling? I don't know. That's another. What he doesn't have it? a brain to be vibrated. Right, he's just a lump of goo. Yeah, his brain is every cell in his body. Yeah. I feel like unless you incinerate him, he's fine. He's not making a skeleton inside yeah. of him. But but emotionally, like this episode, I think hit me harder than almost to anything this season. I I just really loved it. Yeah. I can I can see it. I can I, I I'm giving this episode a 9. Wow. I'm giving it a 9. Wow. I love this episode. Even I Even if it I hit really all the things it. that I thought it was trying to do, I still feel like I wouldn't have gone eight tops. Wow. Seven and a half. I you know what? You and I have very different feelings about Star Trek, and that's what makes this wonderful. Well, uh, Chad gives it a solid seven and a half. Chad's given a seven and a half. Does anyone else want to vote? Has everyone voted that wants to vote? Let us know in chat, otherwise we're sticking with seven and a half. Yeah, I can, I'll, I'll do math later and adjust if need be. Yeah. Okay. Now, favorite character. Who do we want to nominate for favorite character in this episode? Favorite character... Uh, Odo, Gary, uh, Croden, <laughs> Croden, Odo, um, man, Akel, yeah, the the Miradorn, yeah, Morn. Oops, I made a Morn. Fuck, I made the poll accidentally. Yeah, I like that. I don't like that he can't edit these. Oh, you can push back. That works. Oh. Morn is finally named, and you actually see him smile, laugh. Yeah, you see yeah. inside his mouth. I wish Morn was the only shut time. His big mouth. Apparently, it's the only time he opens his mouth the whole uh, show. And you see Odo smile, which is terrifying. <laughs> it is absolutely horrifying. <laughs> Favorite character? Anyone else that people want to nominate? Dude, there wasn't that many. Ted. <laughs> Ted's facer. <laughs> Who else? Yeah, Rom's really small in this one. Yeah. Cisco doesn't do much. I mean, it's yeah. just nobody does anything. This is, I mean, I would nominate other people if they wanted, but I don't see. Well, I, let's go with these four. Okay. Okay. Favorite character. What do you think? Mm. I don't have a favorite character in this one. It's to be, and that's like that was. I guess that's part of why I was so blah on the episode. Mm. Do you want to go with the key? <laughs> it's alive, cousin Odo. Cousin. Odo. <laughs> uh, who? No. Some someone in chat nominated the Ferengi phaser. Yeah, I'm gonna vote for the phaser. Well, then I gotta I gotta put that on the poll. No, you don't. Okay, great. <laughs> um. The Ferengi phaser. Yeah, for me it's either Ted or Odo for favorite character. That's a little tough, actually. I really like Croden a lot. I think he's, like, complex in a way that's really interesting to me. Yeah, okay. Um, He was my second choice, honestly. I kept... I know I went with a joke answer, but he was as close as I came to having... 
But then there's like a favorite character. That's that well, was, favorite implies of this episode. Who did you like the most? I get it, and I just didn't. Yeah. It was just like compared to everyone else, it just was a yeah. Uh, yeah, it doesn't have to be like your favorite. No, I get it. I was just <laughs> kind of so nonplus with the episode. Yeah, I think Frankie Phaser is a statement about how nonplussed you were, yeah, yeah. and is a fair answer. I I have to go with Odo for my favorite character. Okay, I, I just like. Learning more about him and like where he stands on things just fascinates me. That's fair. All right, looking at the results. Wow, Odo got a hundred percent of the votes, right? Including See, mine. Even if Ferengi Phaser was on there, Odo was going to win. Yeah. Oh. Wow. Okay. And then oh, who, who do we want to nominate for best performance? We got to put Odo on there. Yeah. Same people. Odo. Odo. Croden. Croden. I think Miradorn. The yep. Miradorn. It was both Miradorn are played by the same actor, which is kind of cool. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. It's pretty good special effects. Cisco. Yeah. Best performance. Best performance. Jake's not in this episode, so should we add him? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, does chat want anyone else in there? Let's see. The daughter's in there for a hot minute. No one else from chat. Yep. Okay. Okay, great. Create and poll. Yeah. This is an easy one for me. Best performance? Yeah, it's the it's the Akel, it's the Miradorn. Really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we should look. He he comes back as other characters, so we should pop his name in there. I w that's something I want to do with this list because I know that there are like recurring guest stars. Yeah, so see if they get voted again. Even if they have, even if they play someone else. Yeah, so if, like Jeffrey Combs, you know? Yeah, well, he's the classic. Yeah, I think Jeffrey Combs might win best performance for the whole show. <laughs> yeah, okay. he posted something that was like, you know, whose agents are really excited right now. Yeah, Jeffrey Even fucking comes. There's one Star Trek series happening and two more in the pipeline. Randy Oglesby. He he has a recurring role on Enterprise, too. Yeah. Randy Oglesby as Akel and Roquel. Roquel. Rochelle. <laughs> but Rochelle and Michael. It, I get that it's, it's a fairly one-dimensional character. But he's great at but it. But he though. he does it so well, and there is the the passion feels real. The anger and the vengeance, and it's just like he is just turned into a pure being of righteous anger. And yeah. the in the way that he says, like you killed the best thing about me or about my life, mm. like he says it with such ooh. There's a weight there. Like to yeah. me, that's m far more emotional. Than the tacked-on uh, uh, familial story with Gary, like the death of that dude's uh, twinned, uh, bonded brother, whatever it is, that felt really strong. Yeah, and 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 it's and it drives a lot of it uh, of the uh, behind the scenes. It drives a lot of the other action that happens. Yeah, I hear you. I think he did really, really awesome. Um, I'm torn between Odo and Ted. Mm -hmm. Uh I, I'm not giving it to Ted for one reason. It's because face loser. when he's reunited with his daughter, he doesn't he doesn't break the way that I want him to. I want mm, I want his, perhaps because he's dissembling. Exactly. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like I needed a little more right there to really to really get what I wanted out of this episode. So I read into it that it is there. Mm -hmm. But I, to me, that felt like it it was pulled back in a way that shouldn't have been. And maybe that was a directorial choice. I don't know. Right. Right. But because of that, I'm going to give it to good old Renee Abergenois. For best performance, because when when because the way that he tells you through all of this makeup how badly he wants to know where yeah. he's from is so fucking fantastic and will remain that way for the rest of the series. One of the best. Uh oh, scenes. we got a tie between Croden and the Miradorn. Oh. 
so we need a... <laughs> Someone can break the tie, or we make up a name that combines them both, as is our custom. <laughs> Crotodorn. Crodorn, yeah. Crodorn. Miradorn. Let's see. Akel. Rokel. Crodenkel. <laughs> Crokel. 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 Ted Crokel, Miradorn. <laughs> Ted Crokel, the Miradorn. Yes. <laughs> Can you vote twice? Unfortunately... Well, is uh, is Andy there? Andy can vote. Amanda's Andy, not my Andy. We both own an Andy, apparently. <laughs> we we don't own them. We rent them. We rent them. No, we have special Andy privileges. <laughs> Croquet. <laughs> <laughs> He's not. Then no, you do not get an extra vote, lady. Oops. I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> Election thief. All right. All right. I think we got a... What did we come with? Croquel? I like croquet, but it doesn't... Croquet. It's not, I like it, but it doesn't quite fit. Yeah, we went with croquel. Cro-dash-kel. Kel, yeah. Croquel. And you have to remember that later. And then in parentheses, Ted. Ted. <laughs> Wait, the other guy's name is Randy. Trandy. <laughs> Trandy. I think that's pretty clear. Okay. <laughs> it's never going to make sense to you later. I think that makes sense to me later. Um, okay, so the real question is, how many space mushrooms does this episode get? Ten. Ten it's out of ten? just straight up ten. Yeah, this is some of the weirdest stuff to me. Shape-shifting, breaking glass. Wait, no, you know what? I'm going to go with uh, uh, mushroom time factor 9.99. We haven't quite mm. crossed the threshold. The threshold?! <laughs> But we're real that, close. That is the that's moment. A, that's that's the ten. Yeah, that's like the worst. That's the ten. Yeah. Um, because the mycelial network doesn't even come close. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. So the weird thing is that the rest of this episode ties up so nicely and makes more sense than most episodes. Yeah. As far as like yeah, like your head cannon, which I think is in the episode about like why Quark was working with uh, Croquet, right? <laughs> Uh, was so good. And, yeah. But, like, Odo being a glass that shatters on the wall that has a combat hut inside of it somehow is, like... That wastes nothing. It's like a bridge too far. <laughs> it's like if you were... I don't know. It just breaks. It's yeah. crazy. It's... 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 It mind-boggling how hey, Marco. bad it is. In, in Vita dead? What's that? Is that Spanish for Doug? <laughs> Is that a typo? You never know. You, uh, the person you invited? And you invited? Oh. I don't know, I'm just guessing. He just showed up here. Yeah. What is this about an Andy hologram? I don't know, I didn't see that. Yeah, I mean, the, the, up here. Somebody, oh, that comment? Somebody, somebody wants to hand that, out Andy's. That comment that is slightly creepy? <laughs> <laughs> I kind of ignored that. Um. Yeah. So I guess I guess it has to get a ten. Well, like like Doug said, nine point nine. It's it's under the threshold, <laughs> which is the episode threshold. Uh, it's just under that. But yeah, it's and it's weird... so frustrating because it's just that moment that breaks all con all reality. Yeah. And my brain in the process. Yeah. It's just that moment, but in such a strong episode that I still am giving a nine. Oh. 
that was the other. Did I write it down? There's a the he shapeshifts in the last episode too. The Negus ooze under door, <laughs> where it's like these are airlocks. They're clearly airlocks. So what is he oozing under when he yeah. when he gets onto the Negus's ship? There's there's two doors because it's an airlock. Yeah. That's the whole point. Right. If it wasn't an airlock, then it would be out into space. But he oozes under the door and gets into the ship. Right. Yeah, that's a problem. That's a problem. I mean, if Odo can fit through an airlock, then everyone's Then, then dead. air can fit through the yeah, airlock. Yeah, then air can fit through the airlock. and that. <laughs> or what can Odo fit through that air can't? Right. Yeah. Yeah, man, I wish they'd... I wish they'd button that up a little bit. They just—it's like it's space magic. Odo is yeah, space magic. This it is, is space magic. This this episode has clearly put Odo into a limited form of space magic, but he is definitely now space magic. Yeah, definitely. I like space magic though. I do too. I enjoy it. I like Star Wars a lot, and that's all space magic. <laughs> well, we did it, you guys. We made it through another Doug Space Nine. Doug Space Nine. Credits are rolling. Doug Space Nine. It's it's Doug. It's a bunch of jobs. That's Jesse Murphy. Doug Space Nine. Doug Space Nine. These are credits rolling. Special effects. Doug Space Nine. Venue. Doug Space Nine. Dog wrangling. Jesse Mercury. And then it just says. Hosts Jesse Mercury, <laughs> Jesse Mercury. That was good. It's just my name twice. <laughs> even better. <laughs> I have very exciting news, guys. Doug doesn't even know this, but I went on eBay and I ordered the cartridge of the Deep Space Nine oh. Super Nintendo game. So we're gonna get back to playing that because we tried it with the ROM, but it crashed the the cartridge. Oh. And it's uh, it's not here yet, though. I'm curious about the ma- if does it come with a manual. I don't think so. Because that game was crazy where you're just like, you're just like pixel hunting. Right. Just slamming your character against everything that looks like a door. I used to own the cartridge back in the day and could not figure out how to play it and got so mad that I I don't have it anymore. What if you order it and it's the exact same thing? It's like, oh, that game just crashes. I maybe like that's just the way it maybe is. that's what it was I got so mad at it I stopped playing but I feel like I didn't get that far I feel like I didn't realize you could go out the doors and into the other sections I was just like I am stuck in this room for, for all eternity this isn't a fun game yeah that'll be fun to play I am so excited about it because I loved it that time we played it and before it crashed <laughs> um, so that's very exciting so yeah guys tomorrow come back for for no Doug just me nothing nothing personal no uh, <laughs> this is as much as another person can tolerate me you know, I don't think that's true. <laughs> it's very you true. You are wonderful. Just infrequently. Um, I was just watching Small some... Doses. I was just hanging out with someone, and we watched some Tiny Baby Talk show, mm. and it was uh, two very heavy You episodes. <laughs> it was just so funny, because like, we knew each other for years, but right. like, uh, but just like kind of superficially. Yeah, we worked you know? on a thing together. Yeah, we, like, we're almost like co-workers, even right. though we didn't get paid. <laughs> we, it's like we, yeah. did a, we did a show. But so nothing has changed. It's basically the exact same. But it, yeah, anyway. Uh, <laughs> so tomorrow we're doing some Mario Maker starting between 5 and 6 p.m. That sounds fun. Yeah. And then I uh, I have a new video coming out that I'm really excited about. About uh, I have a Ryu World video coming out and I have a video about uh, Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle. Because it was on sale for 60% off so I bought it and I recorded my first impressions. And it, it's really super funny. Nice. And I, I'm excited to put it out. And then we'll be back in two weeks, right? Two weeks, yeah. Have we checked that yet? We have not. I'm going to I'm going to be gone. Thrill as we coordinate our calendars. <laughs> yeah. That would be the fourteenth. I'm gonna be gone on the fourteenth. Uh, so should we do next week? Can you do next week? Or should we do it in three weeks? Well, next week. 
Yeah, well, yeah, either next week, three weeks, you... Um, Could we do next week and then go back to every other week after that, yeah. like we did last time I had to leave town? Yeah. How, how do you guys feel about that? You want to do this again next week? Resounding no from, from chat. <laughs> <laughs> People are just jumping ship. <laughs> I accidentally wrote Doug Spikake, and I'm just going to leave it. Oof. Doug Spikake. Oh, uh, we'll show them the memes real quick. Oh, the memes! Yes, I knew I was forgetting something. I even loaded them up. Um, or they can just go. Go yeah. to other dimension, discover new planets, and other constellation. JJJ. I don't know what that oh, means either. That's uh, it's LOL uh, in uh, Spanish. Oh, is that LOL in Spanish? Oh, yeah. I love or that. Or sometimes it's like ja 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 j j a j a j. Oh, cool. I go think I, maybe I'm wrong. Planets, another constellation. That's why I thought the invite nice. to dad was like Spanish as well, but I didn't know what it would be. I think. So I'm just yeah. guessing. I mean, if I'm wrong, I'm, I'm not trying to be weird or anything. I think. I think you're right. Okay, guys, so two weeks we're doing the next two episodes, which were um, Battle Lines and the Storyteller. You can see it's like, it's like, wait, point this way. Nope, this way. Nope. You can see how hard it is? It's so hard. Th this Ugh. way. This is why it freaks me out when I see, it's like, like boop, my, when boop, there's boop, my hair I want to move boop, and I can't boop, feel boop, it. Boop. <laughs> and I'm just trying to do it through the camera. Yeah, it's hard. It's, yeah, it's enough to break your brain. Speaking of breaking your brain... Let's look at some memes. Okay. And we don't have to show them. We can oh, we have to show them. them. <laughs> Roses are red. Deep nine in space. Tonight, you'll polish every red in the place. Oh, it's Rom talking. Talking to, uh... uh <laughs> Roses are red. Deep nine in space. Tonight, you'll polish every red in the place. That's a really I can do Rom! That's a good rule. That was my first attempt. <laughs> if I worked on that, it would be brilliant. Yeah, that's a good rule. <laughs> Thank you. This was my favorite. This one was my favorite by far okay. of, of this badge. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. So that's actually this is from Vortex, and the first one was from Nagus. So that's the one per. And then what was this one from? This was also from Nagus. This one is terrifying. I, I couldn't. I couldn't decide which one I like. This is using like a a pretty common format. Yeah. The that damn smile. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It is terrifying, yeah. and it's very upsetting. <laughs> That's kind of what I was going for. <laughs> You've done it again, sir. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I keep forgetting to put the Instagram link, but look up Doug Space Nine on Instagram. Doug posts all these there, mm -hmm. and hopefully a picture of these guys, yes. which he's posed. Wait, <laughs> he does not look comfortable. <laughs> I am Benjamin Cisco. <laughs> I can fly through the air and do karate. Doug Space Nine. <laughs> Doug Space Nine. Doug Space Nine. Benjamin. How Doug about Space a nine. spot of Mario? Doug Mario? Space Nine. Doug Space Nine. Goodbye. Doug Space Nine. That was Doug Space Nine. Doug Space Nine. Bye! And we've reached the end of a very long journey through outer space, through consciousness, through lost in space, through the wormhole. We've talked about a lot this week. If you made it all the way through that episode, wow, you're a trooper. That was a long one. Three and a half hours of cosmic goodness for your earballs. Thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. Uh, we have a lot coming up on the Space Nerds podcast feed very soon. Star Trek Club has already recorded the final two episodes of Star Trek Picard. And man, did a lot happened that we really had to talk about so that'll be coming up in just a few short days i might put them both out because i have them both 
ready to go. So maybe I'll do that. Um, I don't know. I'm not even like I'm not even on a release schedule at this point. I'm just putting out content left and right. So um, yeah, Star Trek Club is coming up, and then Alexandria and I recorded the next episode of Black Mirror. We talked about the Waldo effect and White Christmas. We had a really deep conversation, as she and I tend to do. So if you want to watch those episodes ahead of time, jump on it. Um, yeah, and then we've already recorded the next Star Wars Club as well. I just have so many podcasts to put out at this point. I'm also very excited to announce that Star Trek Club is going to continue beyond Star Trek Picard. We're going to go back and start watching Discovery episode by episode because the four of us are having so much fun doing this. So for the foreseeable future, we're going to have two episodes coming out a week. I think we're going to be able to keep that up, which is crazy. Um... But yeah, I mean, I've done a lot of work behind the scenes to streamline my podcasting release process, although I still haven't been able to lock down a, a consistent release schedule or at least getting a lot of content coming out. And I hope you are enjoying it. And if you have anything you want to say about the show, I would love to hear from you. You can leave a comment on my website, jessemercury.com, on the individual episodes, or you can always email us, spacenerdspodcast at gmail.com. You guys are amazing for listening. I, I really appreciate you. Thank you for being a part of our cosmic club. It means a lot to me. Until next time, stay nerdy out there. Space Nerds is listener-funded through Patreon. To support the show and gain access to bonus content, sign up at patreon.com slash spacenerdspodcast. If you love this show, help us spread the word by sharing it on your favorite social media platform or leaving us a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you can find our show. If you have a question or comment you'd like the Space Nerds to discuss in the next episode, email us at spacenerdspodcast at gmail.com. To browse our complete library of episodes or check out my sci-fi synth-pop music and music videos, visit my website at jessemercury.com. Keep it spacey, baby!